opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right, this is Dan Spoon, ACB President, and I am going to call our ACB 2022 Annual Business Meeting to order. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Just to review the agenda for today, we have uh, seven remaining resolutions, 19, 21, 24, 25, 26, 27, and 5. And then we have four additional resolutions, which are really the courtesy thank you resolutions. I spoke with Gabe and Jeff, and we thought it was important to include our thank you resolutions like we normally do. So we'll go through our resolution process. Then once we finish that, we'll uh, have added to the agenda unfinished business and new business. And then we will adjourn until um, 8 o'clock uh, excuse me, 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern, and 5 o'clock Pacific, uh, when we'll be back on the air to do the second reading of the Constitution and bylaw amendments, and then have a debate and um, discussion on any amendments to the proposed Constitution and bylaw amendments. So that's uh, kind of our agenda throughout the day. So with that said, I first want to introduce Jeff Tom, longtime member of the Resolutions Committee. He will be representing the Resolutions Committee today in place of Gabe Griffith, who had a prior commitment. So, Jeff, let's say good morning and so everyone can hear your voice. Good morning, everyone. Glad to be here. Thank you, Jeff. And then we have our supervisor of elections, Nancy Marks Becker. Hello, Nancy. Good morning. Good morning. She'll be taking our votes. And we have Denise Erminger, our parliamentarian. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. And then we have Eric Bridges, who will be monitoring the Zoom room and the uh, streaming for us to make sure that stays up at all times. Uh, good morning, Eric. Good morning, Dan. Thank you. And then uh, we have our host and first vice president, Deb Cook-Lewis. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, Dan. And then we have our other host, Rick Morin, from our uh, technical director from our ACB media team. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, guys. All right. So I think that's our team for today. We welcome everybody uh, back to consider our final uh, seven uh, official resolutions plus the four courtesy thank you resolutions and finishing up our uh, a portion of our ACB 2022 annual business meeting. So with that said, I will now ask um, uh, Jeff. Tom from the Resolutions Committee to introduce Resolution 19 on Education Policy. Okay, well, excuse me, as Dan just said, Resolution 2022-19 relates to special education policy. Resolution 2022-19, Education Policy, submitted by Mark Reichert. Whereas it has been 22 years since the U.S. Department of Education, USDOE, has issued official policy guidance concerning the education of students who are blind or have low vision, 
who are or should be receiving special education and related instructional services, and whereas the outdated policy guidance fails entirely to address the required availability of accessible textbooks and related instructional materials, and whereas this grossly outdated policy guidance issued in the year 2000 utterly fails to account for the ubiquitous use of the internet, mobile devices, and other commonly used instructional technologies, and whereas the 22-year-old policy guide completely lacks any meaningful guidance concerning instruction in and use of Braille, especially with regard to students who are blind or have low vision and may have additional disabilities, and whereas the existing policy guidance is devoid of any direction to educators concerning the instructional services to be provided to district populations of students with vision loss, particularly those with neurological impairments, and whereas the existing policy guidance fails to address numerous additional issues which are vitally important in making a free and appropriate public education as required by law, available to students with vision loss. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization join with partner organizations to demand that the United States Department of Education, USDOE, issue updated and considerably more comprehensive education policy guidance by the end of the year 2024. And the Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. Thank you, Jeff. And now we will ask, uh, at this point in time, if there are any motions uh, for a point of order, a request for information, or a parliamentarian procedure request. All right, I have no hands raised, so at this point in time, uh, I would like to have people raise their hand if they would like to speak for or against this motion to adopt Resolution 19 on education policy. All right, let's let's go through first and get the fours and the against, and then we'll we'll see uh, from that point forward. So, Lori, do you wish to speak for this resolution? I wish to speak for this uh, resolution. Thank you, Lori. Next person is KL1964. KL1964, please identify yourself and state whether you want to speak for or against the resolution. I was actually just going to vote for it. So um, I didn't, I, I thought we were out of the. Uh, oh, we're, we're, we're in the, the debate period right now. Yeah, so, okay. 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 Lower your hand and we'll, we'll look forward to your vote momentarily. All right. Next person is Fran Sign. Fran side. Hi, Fran. Do you wish Hi. to vote? I speak for it. Speak for? Okay. For it, yes. All right. Do we have anyone who wishes to speak against? Nigel. All right. Nigel, do you wish to speak against? No, actually, a point of order. Uh, good morning. Yes. Mr. President, uh, don't, we need a second? don't we need a second to the motion? We do not, Nigel. Uh, when it's a motion from a committee, you do not need a second. Sorry. Thank you. Okay, do we have any uh, el- anyone, any other hands raised who would like to speak against the motion? All right, at this point in time, we will hear from our two people who wish to speak in for, for the motion. So, Lori, you have the floor. Thank you. I, for two uh, just, minutes, yes. Oh, I won't take that long. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just would like to encourage people to support this resolution by uh, Mark Reichert. It clearly outlines 
some issues that were made abundantly clear for students who are blind and deafblind during COVID and remote learning and those types of things. And some students had those things ignored and we were able, were able to document that as a result of research done by the American Foundation for the Blind and others. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. And now we'll hear from Fran Sine. Um, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, I, any, anybody who doesn't think we need this help, then there's something wrong. Very good. Is that the extent of your say. remarks? All right. Thank you, That's Fran. Remarks. <laughs> thank you, Fran. <laughs> all right. Per our procedure that we passed earlier in our annual business meeting, we have two fours. We have no one wishing to speak against the amendment. So at this point in time, we are going to call the question. All right. At this point in time, if you would like to vote for Resolution 19, dealing with the education policy, please raise your hand. In time, if you wish to vote against Resolution 19 on the education policy, please raise your hand. We're settled. And so, Supervisor of Elections and Parliamentarian, what is our final count? Uh, 156 in favor, zero against. All right. Hearing that we have 156 for and zero against, this motion has passed. We do not need to call for a record vote because there was no one in the minority. And so, once again, Resolution 19 has passed. Thank you. We'll now move on to first, I think, Resolution 20. You wanted to say something about Jeff, and then we'll move on to 21. Excuse me. Yes, Resolution 2022-20 was withdrawn. It was on creation of a mental health and wellness committee. And since pursuant to um, board and presidential action, that committee is being created. Um, There is no need for that resolution. So now we move on to Resolution 2022-21, creating a long-term plan for serving people who are blind or have low vision. Resolution 2022-21, creating and improving a long-range plan for serving people who are blind or have low vision. Submitted by Mark Reichert. Whereas, historically, organizations involved in developing and implementing long-range plans for people who are blind or have low vision frequently have been concerned more with maintaining a balance of power among organizations rather than with finding approaches that ensure that the needs of all the segments of the population who are blind or have low vision are met. And whereas planning for the future improvements of circumstances for people who are blind or have low vision ought to take into consideration the range and diversity of the population, the diverse needs and circumstances of children and adults of all ages, all ethnicities, all ability levels. And whereas it is crucial that the array of services covered in a long range plan aiming to augment and expand opportunities for people who are blind or have low vision be broad enough and inclusive enough to substantially impact the lives of the vast majority of people who are blind or have low vision. And whereas it is essential that whatever plan evolves is characterized by input from a broad range of people who are blind or have low vision, including individuals with additional disabilities, canvassed in an environment where openness and listening are of paramount importance... Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, 
that the Advocacy Steering Committee of this organization is hereby charged with developing a set of long-term generational priorities for people who are blind or have low vision, and be it further resolved that the initial plan be presented to the ACB board only after meetings have been held and other means have been used to collect data from members and other interested people who are blind or have low vision, and be it further resolved that once this plan has been developed, ACB make it a priority to refine, promote, and implement it with the collaboration and assistance of other organizations serving people who are blind or have low vision. The committee recommends a do pass and ISO move. Thank you, Jeff. And at this point in time, if you have a point of order, a request for information, or a request for a policy, I mean, a parliamentary procedure, please raise your hand. Jean, you are recognized. I, I'm just not really sure what this plan is supposed to do. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I just wonder, Jeff, if you could explain a little more what, what, this, what this plan is actually going to do. Well, I would say that this is a long-term advocacy blueprint for what we would like to achieve over the next few years. That's putting it as simply as I can. Achieve as far as what? And and as far as advocacy, advocacy, excuse me, goals um, for people who are blind or who have low vision. Gene, did that ask your uh, request for information? Um, Yeah, sort of. I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, still not totally, you know, but it, I guess I'm kind of with you a little yeah. bit. The word plan. So, Jeff, maybe if you could could expand on that. We're not talking about an individual education plan. We're talking about an overall strategic plan. That's right. A strategic plan, which would cover the whole gamut of programs and services for which we should be prioritizing um, for all segments of our population. Thank you, Gene. Uh, do we have uh, any other? I, I guess uh, if you want me yep. to add a little bit more, I think that yep. the, I think, and, and, you know, Paul or Mark or someone might want to supplement this, but I think that the um, general thrust of this is that um, one group or another, uh, whether it's an advocacy organization or provider organization, whatever comes out with a, um, you know, a particular, goal and a way of achieving it. And so we start down a particular, you know, collaborative path without any long-term thinking of how the uh, entire um, thrust of our advocacy movement um, should come into play. Thank you, Jeff, for that uh, answering the request for information. Do we have any other hands raised for requests of information, points of order, or parliamentary procedure? I just wanted to give an example of why this plan is so needed. I recently visited... Kathy, that's not really a a request for information. So, you know, you'll have an opportunity to speak on behalf of the resolution here in just a minute. This is just request for information. Okay. Thank you. Janine Leah. Janine Lee. 
Hi, good morning. Okay, yeah. So that, um, I appreciate Jean's question because it was kind of my question because I was really confused. I'm still confused. So are we voting for a committee for this? Are we voting for our leaders to make an action plan to move forward, like an outline syllabus uh, plan of attack action <clears throat> going forward, I guess that's, I'm thank still a little confused. Okay. Thank you, Janine, for the question, Jeff. The leadership would need to um, initiate various types of listening sessions um, within the organization first, focus groups, um, um. presidents, etc. cetera. Uh, the goal here is to make it a very interactive and collaborative plan first within our organization and then after we have produced something that we can um, show to uh, external organizations then with those organizations and and try to find entities that would partner with us to uh, further this plan. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for the question, Janine. What's our next hand, Nancy? Sharon Strzelski. Sharon Strakowski. Sorry. Hi. That's okay. Uh, In the same vein, so if we put a plan together, then it potentially would go to NFB and AFB and blind, probably not World Blind Union, but the Vision Serve Alliance. It could even go to the World Blind Union if if part of that advocacy plan involved programming you know beyond the borders of this country right. um you it, know it just seems but definitely very, uh, the vision fluid. serve alliance places like that yeah all right thank you thank you sharon our next point of uh or excuse me request for information richard richard you're recognized yes um um my request would be uh to, to know as are we going to go this alone or are we going to have other organizations such as AFB work with us developing this, this, this uh, plan, this long range plan? So the answer, the answer to that, Richard, is that we would develop the initial plan on our own within our organization. As an advocacy organization, we feel that we have the capability of doing that. Um, but after that, um, we, of course, in finding collaborative partners, would be open to refining and revising the plan, you know, given the wisdom that they would, you know, presumably provide to us. Thank you, Richard. Next uh, question or next hand. Nancy. Hi, I'm Debbie Watson from Chicago. I'm sort of still confused on this. Is this for any kind of, of resolution uh, we would pass, or are we talking strictly about the educational resolution? Uh, you know, in other words, to continue it through all generations, we would work to collaborate all this resolution and every other educational res- resolution with other partners. Uh, I'm a little confused, I guess, on this whole thing. Yeah. Well, this plan would not directly impact the an, an individual's ability to write a resolution it, it mm-hmm. might impact um the tenor of decisions we would make on future resolutions if the plan governs something that uh was being 
you know, brought up by an individual resolution over the next few years, but it mm-hmm. doesn't directly impact what someone would be able to uh, seek uh, via resolution. And it certainly it, it, involves far more than education it involves the entire spectrum of services. And programs. Right, that's kind of what I thought, but I wanted to, to be sure. So with uh, anything that would have an impact on the blind community in general or other organizations, then we would seek for collaborative partners in that. That's correct. Okay. All right. Thank you for your clarification. Thank you, Debbie. Who's next? Next is Chris Gray. I would like, and this is maybe sort of a beyond the scope of a point of information, but I'm going to ask anyway, can our current staff accomplish this? No, I think that's a, a valid point of information in order to mm-hmm. re- request for information in order to understand how to vote on the resolution. So, Eric? Well, we have <clears throat> we have staff that, uh, you know, Clark, who's the staff lead for the Advocacy Steering Committee, we have Swathananda Kumar, uh, who works with Clark on advocacy issues. Um, you know, I, I I guess this sort of feels like it could go anywhere. Um, there's not a lot of specifics attached to it, and what I would what I would want is for for Jeff uh, and. Uh, as as the member lead of the advocacy steering committee and the steering committee itself to try and and uh, figure out sort of the guardrails to this so that we could uh, theoretically help to do <laughs> what what this is what this is saying for us to do we you know year over year we have our own set of of priorities that are arrived at through legislative and regulatory means, and frankly, through uh, steering committees like advocacy and the individual committees that that roll up underneath the steering committee like advocacy services, information access, uh, and others. So, you know, our, our imperatives that we work on annually and other timely issues um, take up quite a bit of our time. Uh, so working on a, you know, on a, on a, on a long range strategic plan, I think there is, there is likely some value in it, but we, you know, I, I have not been as familiar with this particular resolution and its contents. And so would really seek, um, the collaboration of people like Jeff, Tom, and frankly, Dan, to figure out how we best allot staff time. Um, and a lot of that is dealing with the overall scoping of this, of this sort of project, because it, it could go a number of different places. Thank you. Our, uh, thank you, Chris, for the question. Uh, next question. Okay, Dan, it is Robert Acosta. All right, Robert thank Acosta. You, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm going to can, talk. Can I call you here. Bob? Is that okay? I'm sorry. Can I call you Bob? My friends call me Bob, and you're my great friend. <laughs> thank thank you. you, Bob. Go ahead. Don't we have a strategic plan of action from ACB board? Didn't 
haven't we done this? And secondly, if I'm in debate, forgive me. This will hamstring us because every resolution we pass in the future. You're now you're now into debate. Okay, sorry. Don't we have a strategic plan already? Thank you. That's a good question. Uh, We do, but I'd say it doesn't go to this level of granularity. Thank Uh, you. mm -hmm. Dan, I I can say who the next person is, but Denise does have something quick that she needs to let you know how many minutes we are into it. Time, yeah, we may. Mm -hmm. I think this has been an important conversation, so we may see if we want to extend debate and discussion. But Denise, how much time do we have left? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Okay. All right. We'll take, uh, let's take two more uh, questions for information and then we'll. Ted Chitten. Thank you. Um, The question I have is if a plan is created with, and you get collaborators on board, and then something happens in the future after the plan has been created that forces us to rethink our strategic plan or rethink parts of it, how easy would it be to change the plan once it has been created if a change in the um, if there is a change in, 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 in the weather, so to speak. Well, I, I can't give you an honest answer to that because I don't know that there is one. The hope would be that, you know, these plans are obviously any plan that's developed should be, uh, should engender in it the flexibility um, to deal with changing circumstances. But, you know, Part of that gets to the flexibility of organizations and, you know, the, the future. So I really can't give you a, a, a real competent answer, except Thank to you. express the hope that it would be, as you say, easily changed. Thank you. Debate uh, Resolution 21, either for or against, please raise your hand. Paul Edwards. Paul Edwards, do you wish to speak for or against the resolution? Sorry, I'm um, just learning to use a new system. I'd like to speak for the resolution, please. Thank you, Paul. So Paul's our first speaker for the resolution. David Kings. Yes, David. Uh, Against. And David would like to speak against. So we have um, Paul for and David against. Next. So the next person is Sharon Straskowski. Sharon. I'd like like to speak against this like to speak against so we have uh dave and sharon against and paul for uh next hand i got it this is dan marshall yes dan would you like to speak for or against four four okay we have two fours and two against let's go ahead and continue on nancy robert acosta against against bob's against so we've got three against and then genie well, I was against, too, so you probably don't yeah. need four of us against. Yeah. Okay. Next is Kathy Lyons. Kathy Lyons. I would like, excuse me, to speak for. Okay, Kathy, you're speaking for. That gives us three fours and three against. I think we'll hold it right there. And I will recognize Paul Edwards to speak for the resolution. Hey, Dan, thank you very much. When the Resolutions Committee put this resolution together, uh, the whereas clauses focused on the fact that in the past, what we have tended to see is folks who develop plans that are for three or five years and don't make very much effort to try to look further ahead with a crystal ball. 
the intent of this resolution then is to actually try to look a good distance down the road and try to imagine what kinds of issues all different sorts of blind people will have uh, 20, 30 years down the road and to try to develop what will amount to a series of policies and actions that will ameliorate the likelihood of, of getting to some good outcomes. And the idea of ACB being at the center of that is that all of the plans that have been developed in the past have tended to be collaborations without a lot of involvement of consumer organizations as the central pivot around which these plans were made. So the idea was that ACB would essentially work with our members and others to finalize a plan and then go out and seek collaboration with other organizations. But it would be a plan whose intent was um, to be a consumer-driven idea of where we're going in the future. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And now, David? Yeah, I speak in opposition uh, largely because of all of the questions that were raised about how vague this is. Uh, The one thing that's clear, and Eric alluded to this, is how do you possibly do this um, above and beyond the... um, the obligations staff and volunteers already have. Putting together a plan uh, like this, even if it was less vague, is a huge job. But it's not even clear who's this for. Plans are to be implemented. Is this to be implemented by um, a national agency like RSA? Or is this to be uh, done by state agencies and their collaborators or individual collaborators? And at any one of those levels, it's a huge job because for me, a plan means you come up with objectives, you come up with activities, and those activities are based on resources. So the one thing that's clear is we're asking for a huge job. And let's not forget that, you know, since October and through uh, the end of this convention, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 resolutions are going to be passed. And this is asking for a huge job. And it's just not at all clear, uh, as reflected by all the questions that were asked, what the end product is. So I would say it's really better just to go back to the drawing board. Thank you. Thank you, David. This is my thought. Back to kind of an education thing. There used to be something called writing across the curriculum as an example. I think this is a broad project and it would involve not just the, the staff but the people all sorts of folks from ACB at any level I'm just sounds like a good idea thank you thank you Dan uh, I think our time has expired so does everybody give me consent to continue to um, to have these next three yeah. speakers speak? If you are in opposition to hearing the remaining three speakers speak and extending our time, please raise your hand. If you're in opposition, not opposition to the resolution, opposition to continue debate. Okay, 18. 
Okay. So hearing only 18 people in opposition, I'm going to take that the consent of our body is to continue debate with those final three positions. So our next person to speak against, Deb, was it Sharon or was there another person before Sharon? No, I think it's Sharon. It, I'm having trouble doing Sharon. both here. <laughs> I, no, I it, is, it is Sharon. Okay. So Sharon, you're now recognized to speak against the resolution. I, I think... I really agree with David's sentiments about this, that it's very vague. Um, and I also really have a concern for the staff. They have quite a bit to do. Perhaps um, it, the resolution could be reworked and some other people do some long-term planning. I don't know. But I just find that this sort of thing usually ends up going nowhere. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. And we have one more person to speak for it. I believe that was Kathy. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Just imagine with me for a moment that we were having this meeting in 2001 instead of 2022. There would be no cell phones, no tablets, no Zoom. So I want to point out that it was a long-range plan. And so things can come about in the time that the plan would be taking place that we don't even know about yet. And so I think that's why it is a bit vague, is because we don't know. A lo- that's the nature of a long-range plan, to include what might come along the road that we would want to include that we currently know nothing about. Let me give you an example current day. I went to visit a place for the future for myself. Not tomorrow, not next week, but down the road. And we did a tour. And they, I I asked the question, well, what if a blind person wants an orientation and mobility person to come in and orient them to the facility? And the answer I got was, you would have a case manager. Now, I would interpret that to mean that the case manager would not be an O&M. And so I think that these facilities are, in many cases, poorly equipped to deal with blind people. Now, I know a lot of blind people live in places like this, and I'd like to hear from them. But, you know, I thought to myself, They're not going to orient me. How can I get around here? So um, I think that the long-range plan is a good thing and that it is vague because of the nature of a long-term plan. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. And we have one more person identified to speak against. Bob, thank you. Very good. Okay. Go ahead, Bob. Yes, thank you. I will be brief, I promise. Uh, I'm opposed to this resolution. ACBers do not sign blank contracts. I heard Eric uh, speak about this, and I don't know how the staff would do it. But more important, equally important, our future resolutions, we would have to check with the plan before writing a resolution. And I would be, I would be opposed to that. The greatest thing about ACB is that we have an idea. We want to share with the blind and, and, and we say, let's move it. And it either passes or not. Finally, when I was uh, younger in another organization that we all know and love, we were told that the commission for the blind was the only way to go. That was it. 
That was what fixed in my mind. And then I grew up and joined the American Council of the Blind and said there are other agencies, other forms that are pretty good, too. So that's what I'm saying. I don't want to be stuck with a 30-year plan, which I don't know anything about. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. All right. We've heard our three speakers for and against the resolution. At this point in time, we can either have more debate or we can call the question. If you would like to end debate and call the question, please raise your hand. All right. Now, please raise your hand if you are against uh, ending debate and calling the question. So if you would like more debate, raise your hand. All right. Uh, Nancy, our supervisor of elections, what were the for and against calling uh, ending debate and calling the question? The ones that wanted to end the debate was 149. Uh The number that wanted to continue the debate was 13. 13. Okay. At this point in time, our debate uh, has ended by our members' wishes, and we will now call the question on Resolution 21. So all those in favor of Resolution 21, please raise your hand. If you're for the resolution, please raise your hand. All right. Have we settled and we have confirmation on the for vote, the vote for the resolution, Nancy? Then we'll call the other side. All right. All those against Resolution 21, please raise your hands. All right, Nancy, if you could tell us the results of the vote. The for the resolution is 67, against is 120. All right, so the resolution fails. We have more than 25 people who have identified that they're in the minority and voted for the resolution. With all uh, 25 people would like to raise their hand requesting a record vote, please do it now. Please raise your hand if you voted in the minority and would like to request a record vote because you not did not agree with the voice vote that was presented. Okay, 15. All right. Uh, not having 25 people raise their hand requesting a record vote, resolution 21 fails. We will now move on to Resolution 24 on Talking Book Topics. Jeff Tom. Okay, so this resolution is on objecting to the large print version of Talking Book Topics being canceled. Resolution 2022-24, objecting to the permanent cancellation of the large print Talking Book Topics, submitted by the Florida Council of the Blind. Whereas, for more than half a century, the National Library Services for the Blind and Print Disabled, NLS, has produced and distributed talking book topics, TBT, which is an indispensable publication, and whereas TBT provides its readers and those who assist them a list of recent books and periodicals available to NLS patrons through their regional libraries, and whereas NLS announced that they are permanently discontinuing the production of the large print version of TBT, and whereas hard copy large print is a recognized and legally mandated means of effective communication for those with low vision, and whereas the hard copy large print version of TBT was an easy-to-use method of selecting books for NLS patrons, especially seniors, and those who assist them, now therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in Convention Assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization, along with its special interest affiliate, the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, 
the Braille Revival League, Council of Citizens with Low Vision, and Library Users of America demand that the production of the hard copy large print version of TBT be reinstated and be it further resolved that NLS is hereby requested to immediately enter into a dialogue with ACB and its special interest affiliates to resolve this issue. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, how does the resolutions committee recommend? The resolutions committee uh, recommends a do pass and I so move. Thank you, Jeff. At point of order, a request for information or a parliamentarian procedure request. All right. I'll recognize Terry for Terry. Do you have a request for information, point of order or parliamentary procedure? Request for information. Request for information. All right. In the form of a question, please let me know your request for information, Terry. My question is to the resolutions committee. Has there been, was there any request by any of those organizations to replace the word demand? Um, I can't officially answer that. Uh, so I, I don't know the answer. We in in committee, and there may be others on the committee that would want to respond to this particular question. In committee, we certainly thought about the appropriate word to use, but and we understand that there was a limitation to what um, could be done when the cancellation occurred. Uh, due to the authority of the uh, of an, of the NLS director, however, we feel that as an ultimate goal, this was such an important issue that the word demand was the advise most advisable term to use. Thank I just you, find too. it interesting to use demand and enter into conversation. The second, whereas. They seem to contradict each other, it seems, but I'm out okay, of order. Okay, so you're asking, you're asking on a whereas, the whereas in the, in, in, uh, demand in the whereas clause? I don't mean, I didn't mean whereas, I meant in the be it resolved. It'd be in the resolved. Okay, state, say what you just said again then. What I'm saying is, in one place we're saying that we're demanding this, and then in the be it resolved, we're saying that we want to enter oh, into. request, okay. Yes. Well, we can't. We can't demand that he have the dialogue. I suppose we could technically, um, but um, I don't think there's a problem. I, he, I think he is aware that this resolution may be occurring. I know he is aware that this yeah. resolution is a possibility, and I am quite sure he will provide us with a dialogue on the issue, um, judging by how open uh, this director is to you know, the ideas that we present. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. All right, next point of um, point of order or request for information. Doug Powell. Doug, uh, you're good recognized. Morning, good afternoon. Um, I, this is a, a, a request for a clarification. So all of the, I know that the um, resolutions were pre-recorded um, as they've been read. Uh, I assume that the language about therefore be it resolved on this day of July at the uh, convention center in um, uh, <laughs> in Iowa would would be uh, you know or Nebraska I'm sorry in Omaha would would be uh, 
edited to say that that uh, uh, that that the ones that we're working on today would have been uh, passed at re- at convention on Zoom or what whatever the appropriate language is for this current situation. Yes, Gable uh, had already announced that he will certainly make sure that the appropriate editing is done. Great, thanks. Thank you, Doug. All right, next next question. David Kingsbury. Uh, yes, right. three three quick related questions. Do we know how much this costs NLS on an annual basis? How many people actually use it? And is this actually a decision that NLS can take, or is it somebody higher up in the federal bureaucracy? Well, uh, let me do with the last one first. Um, for the time being, it is a decision that was out of their control. That doesn't mean that it will be ultimately out of their control. But um, when the, uh, I forget the name of the uh, uh, printing office, um, made the decision, it was out of their control. Um, so we do recognize that. Um, the cost is... I forget whether it's 300,000 or whatever. So Tom Frank might remember. Paul Edwards might remember. I, I can't remember. Um, the number of people who use it is hard to estimate because it is not only used by consumers, uh, it is also used by entities such as care facilities and others to, you know, discuss with their members. And, um, I, it's hard to tell even exactly how many consumers are using it. So I can't give you a really solid answer to that question either. Thank you, David. Uh, next question. Did, Tom, did we get Tom back? The answer that it cost her to print 250,000 of them a year, it cost uh, about $1 million. And a survey that Vermont did of all of our users in the survey that NLS did about between 14 and 20% of the people that receive talking book topics actually read it. So we're talking, yeah, 40, 50,000 altogether. And my question is, if we want to make a motion to amend, when do we do that? <laughs> uh, that would be when we get into the debate period after we call for the Okay, in, in the debate, in yes. debate yeah. period. Yes. Right. And, and I assume somebody at the convention was talking with... Uh, Mr. Jason Broughton, who is the director, about this, I would assume. Uh, yes, Tom. He actually brought it up in, in one of the sessions I was in to us. At the LOA, at the LOA right? He brought no, it up. No, I, I was in oh. a focus group session. and oh, he, actually, okay. he probably mentioned it in LOA, too, but I don't know. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you, Tom. <clears throat> Stay right. tuned for a debate coming up in just a second. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, next person. Gabriel lopez Cafati. Go ahead, Gabriel. <laughs> This will be our last point of information oh. question, and then we'll go to debate. So we make sure we move forward with debate. I, go ahead, Gabe. I made, I made it. Thanks, Dan. You, you're welcome. Go ahead, Gabe. I did not hear uh, the involvement of CCLBI in this resolution. Has Have they been uh, included in this conversation since it seems like they would have uh, a bigger stake? Thank you, Gabe. Uh, Jeff? Um, I, that's a, wor- a very worthwhile comment. Um, and perhaps if, if CCLVI um, has the authority to do it, 
one of their officers can ask to be amended in. Otherwise, there's not much we can do about it at this point in time. And Denise, how much time do we have left? We have 11 minutes. Okay, so we should have time to do at least three fours and three against. So please raise your hand if you'd like to speak for or against this resolution. Mr. Chair, it might be worthwhile to allow Tom to speak first since he wants to yeah. amend the resolution. That would be good. So we'll we include Tom in one of the in the one of the fours. Okay. Okay, so we got Tom and then who else do we have raising their hand to like speak for or against? Is Tom doing four or against? Or are we taking Tom, the first person at the list? I think on Tom's doing four. Yeah. Okay. With an amendment. Yep. Um, Bay State Council of the Blind. I'm not sure who that's, that is. That's Brian Charlson, and I'm four. All right. So we've got Tom, four, and Brian, four. Okay. And next hand. Renee Zellickson. Renee, would you like to speak for or against? Yes, I am for the resolution. Um, I I am a board member of CCLVI, and I'd like to say something. Okay, so you're a four. So we've got Tom, Brian, and Renee that are all fours. So at this gets no, no, the resolution. No, no, no. And then who do we have that would like to speak against? I have Jean Mann. Jean Mann, would you like to speak against the resolution? Yes. Okay, so Jean is our first person to speak against. John Lipsy. Sean Lipsy, would you John. like to speak? John, 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 John Lipsy, excuse me. John, would you like to speak against? Hi, um, just a quick clarification. So somebody mentioned CCLVI in the first, be it resolved, it mentions Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Is that not the same thing? It, it is. It okay, is. so they okay. are included in the resolution. I just wanted to mention that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, John. Okay. Anyone else wish to speak against? Chuck, would you like to speak against? Actually, I was going to speak for the resolution. Well, we've gotten enough for, so thank oh, you, Chuck. Okay. okay. Thank you. Then I also have Diane Scalzi, and I'm not sure if she's against. Diane, are you against or for? Please only raise your hand if you're against the resolution at this point in time. Okay, yes. I, I, I will like, speak against it. Okay, against. And do we have one more person that would like to speak against? Richard. Richard, do you wish to speak against? Um, yes, I want to speak against. Okay, so we have our three fours and our three against. Uh, we'll go ahead and recognize Tom Frank, and I think you want to not only speak for, but offer an amendment. Correct. Okay. And can you hear me? We can hear you. you can hear? Okay. Uh, I, the reason I, I speak just because I, I, on behalf of CCLVI, as chair of the PR committee, I had a lot of discussions with Jason. Why do I call him? Because... I'm on the Vermont Board of Libraries, which is a seven-person advisory committee to the state librarian. And for two years, Jason was our state librarian. So I talked to him a lot uh, about this. The only real question, the concern he had, and it brought up other members at NLS, was the term demand. And as I told him, we as advocates, we like to say, you know, you must do this under penalty of death. And then the other side, if we get around to it, and we compromise. I just think that the term demand, uh, we request basically that they reinstate, might not be able to. Uh, and it might not be in the same format that it is. So I think the demand just says we must, you must reinstate talking book topics. It might even be called different. Uh, 
Lee, I think NLS now is interested in providing the information that everybody can. And let me point out that under Jason's tutelage, we changed the nature of our special service library from special services for the print disabled to the ABLE library, which stands for audio, braille, large print, and electronic. And so all are able to read, which is the NLS slogan. Or the, so, 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 Tom, what, what is your amendment that you'd like to put forward? And you're, I assume first would like to see if it's a friendly amendment. So what did you right. want to change? I would pref- yes, I would like to change the term demand to either <laughs> request, if that's not strong enough, to strongly urge. Okay. Uh, strongly so, urge. So would you, Jeff, would the committee be okay with strongly urge as opposed to demand? I think the committee would be uh, uh, acceptable of strongly urge. I don't think request would be friendly, but strongly urge, I think, would certainly work. And Tom, are you okay with strongly no, urge? I'm okay with strongly urge, yes. Okay, so it sounds like that's a friendly mm-hmm. amendment to change the word demand and replace it with strongly urge. All right. Very good. All right. Next, we'll hear someone to speak against, which is Jean Mann. Go ahead, Jean. Um, I, I will. Um, I will vote for the resolution now that Tom changed it from demand to strongly urge. I, I know Jason is very much aware of how everybody feels because he said so, and he realizes that that discontinuing that large print edition was probably not the best idea. So, since you changed it, I'll vote for it. <laughs> Thank you, Jean. All right, now, Brian Charlson on the four side. I want to make it clear to, to people what's really going on here, because there's the backstory associated with this. Um, one of the difficulties with how this all came down is it was announced to the network libraries without any prior discussion whatsoever. Um, and the reason given for discontinuing it was given as, well, we have no choice because the printing office uh, says they won't do it and we're required to use the printing office for printing. So to me, it's not just a matter of whether or not the library uh, has the money because they have the money. They've reallocated the money to other projects. It's not whether or not the library system wanted uh, TBT large print to go away. But I don't think a big enough fight took place in arguing this is something we are obligated as an agency to provide, especially to our clientele. I know for a fact that all of the libraries, once they this information went out, have been struggling on how to provide reader advisor services to clients who are in care facilities because they were relying on the people within those care facilities to sit down with their um, clients and go over talking about topics. And they no longer can do that unless they go online electronically. And I don't know last time you were in one of these facilities, but there's not a lot of people walking around with iPads ready to sit down and log on and do that kind of service. I see more and more happening at NLS that really benefits younger people, but disadvantages older people. And while 
I'm going to vote for this resolution. I must say that I felt the word demand was, if anything, a little light. We need to let NLS know and to give NLS a document that will let uh, the Library of Congress know and to those individuals who have made this decision that this is not something that the blindness community is going to say, well, it's just the cost of doing business. It isn't. It disenfranchises a significant number of library borrowers. Some of us will actually live long enough to regret this personally. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. And now Diane Scalzi. Yes, go ahead. You have two minutes left in this 20-minute time. Okay. Uh, Let's hear from Diane, and then we'll see if we want to extend debate to hear our last two um, debaters. Go ahead, Diane. I Well, it, it concerned me hearing the discussion about how much it cost to uh, produce the uh, large print version as compared to, you know, that there, that there was, a, it sounds like a lot of waste, you know, from people not using it. And um, maybe I'm naive, but I'm going to assume that um, – this would not have been put in place without coming up with some kind of alternative. And um, I'm certainly open for, you know, to hear any discussion or any uh, background on what those alternatives might, might be. And it might change my position. All right. Thank you, Diane. And at this point, apologize, but trying to follow our rules, our standing rules, our time to debate has expired, but we have a one more for and against. So ask folks if you're in for of continuing the debate to hear our last two debaters, one for and one against, please raise your hand if you're for hearing the debate. All right. So what is our what is our vote? So we have seventy-five for continuing the the yeah. debate. And 91 against continuing the debate. Okay, it sounds like people are at this point ready to move forward and call the question. So thank you. So at this point in time, we will call the question for resolution 24 related to large print talking book topics and pushing to strongly urge instead of demand uh, that NLS move forward with reinstating this program. All right. At this point in time, all those who wish to vote against Resolution 24 related to the talking book topics for the NLS in large print, if you wish to vote against, please raise your hand. Vote for the resolution was 174 against 120 or no, sorry, 27. So four is 174 against is 27. 174 to 27. Correct. So my uh, decision is that the resolution has passed. Hearing that 27 people were in the minority. So all there's 27 people that voted against the resolution. Uh, Please, of those 27 people, please stand if you do not think the vote of 174 to 27 properly reflected the wishes of our membership and you would like to request a record vote sorry i have confirmation okay how many people raised their hand three three for record vote okay 
So resolution 24 passes and no record vote will be required. Now we're going to move on to resolution 25. I'll turn it over to Jeff Tong from our resolutions committee. Jeff. Okay, thank you. Resolution 2022-25 relates to the cost of insulin. Resolution 2022-25, cost of insulin resolution, submitted by ACB Diabetics in Action. Whereas many diabetics with vision loss are insulin dependent, and whereas the inability of an individual to take their prescribed insulin dosage can result in adverse consequence, including but not limited to blindness, amputation, organ failure, or death, and whereas large numbers of these insulin-dependent individuals are on fixed incomes and thus unable to afford the high cost of insulin, and whereas H.R. 6833, the Affordable Insulin Now Act, has passed the House of Representatives, and whereas the bill would limit the cost of insulin to $35 per month under private health insurance plans, Affordable Care Act programs, and Medicare, and whereas S3700, a companion bill to H.R. 6833, introduced by Senator Warnock, Georgia, has not passed the Senate. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center, Omaha, in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization strongly urges the U.S. Senate to pass S3700, and be it further resolved that ACB encourages its affiliates and members to contact their senators to advocate for the passage of this bill. The Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. I would um, only let you know, Dan, that the submitters of this resolution do have a significant amendment that they would like to make when that time uh, appears. Okay. All right. So at this point in time, we will recognize our members for a point of order, a request for information or a parliamentary procedure request. So everybody, please raise your hand for a point of order or a request for information. First person is Tom Tobin. Tom Tobin, president of the Diabetics in Action. Go ahead, Tom. Thank you. Very good. Jeff covered it, but I wanted to point out that the person that will be reading the amendment to uh, this resolution 2025 is Veronica Elsie. So when the time is appropriate, I'd like her to be called upon, Mr. President, to read our, I hope, will be received as a friendly amendment, Jeff. Okay. Yes, I did. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Next is Patty Cox. Go ahead, Patty Cox. Um. I just have a point of order, and that is that we are taking <laughs> more time to ask for um, any uh, point of information, um, and we are not debating, as it says in the standing rules, that it's 20 minutes of debate, and then we're asking if we can continue debate. Is is the point of orders and the point of information part of debate? Yes, always have been traditionally. It's t- part of the 20 minutes that's allotted for discussion. Okay. Thank you. Okay, next person is point of order. Yes, I have a point of order. I've been trying to raise this point of order. I, You need a two-thirds vote to end debate, according to Robert's rules of order. Well, we... We have a standing rule that says debate is limited to 20 minutes unless the membership 
decides to extend debate. That's in our but standing that rules. That doesn't mean you don't need a two-thirds to end debate. But uh, I think what Dan is saying, uh, if I may be recognized, yeah. sure, Jeff, is go ahead. that the 20-minute period has ended. So right. it takes an additional uh, motion of the body to extend that period. That's part of our standing rules, which we've approved at the beginning of the convention and the beginning of the annual business meeting. Okay, but I I don't know which one of those overrides the other. Wouldn't wouldn't the general stuff in Robert's rules take precedence? No, not not if we've superseded it with our own standing rules. Hmm. Thank you, thank you for your question, though. All and right. how do I raise a point of order? Like if this were an actual meeting, I could just yell out point of order, and we'd have to stop. That's what I was trying to do. Well, you have to raise your hand. I mean, a little limited. Right. So, and now you've got in the queue and you were, you were recognized. Yeah. After everything already happened that I was raising the point of order. Well, I think this is the best we can do right now. (laughs) David Kingsbury. Uh, Sorry. One more point of order. I, uh, Again, maybe this part of the rules. Is it necessary to ask for uh, a vote on whether we want to tally the vote, um, given that everything is being done by Zoom? I understand when you're in a big meeting hall and it's voice vote and you can't tell who's being louder than who else. But but is this really required when it's very clear how many yeses and nos there are by the raised hands? In normal circumstances, I would say no, but according to our rules that are in our standing rules as well and in our constitution, if if 25 people stand to request a record vote, because remember, a voice vote is, you know, we haven't, you know, I think we feel pretty good about it, but we haven't verified that everybody on this uh, in this proceeding is a member in good standing as of May 23rd. It's a general, I'll call it voice vote. So if somebody is feeling like it's close or they would like it to go to a true record vote where both all of our individual members and our affiliates have a roll call vote, then if 25 people raise, uh, stand, in this case, raise their hand requesting a record vote, then that's what our standing rules say we will do. Thank you. Sure. All right. Next. Janine Lee. Go ahead, Janine. Hey, um, so my question is a Robert Rules of Order question. I, I'm just trying to follow along. Um, if there really is a point of order and we need to, because Robert Rules of Order says that you can, like if we were in the room, we could say it. Like point of order, it's two thirds. Like if there's 95 yeses and 75 knows is that two-thirds do we go by that do we go by that or like if someone really has a real serious point of order and they're raising their hand do we recognize them or do we just have to wait and things just proceed like it's it's hard when it's on zoom i totally understand but is there a way that we can implement something that would make it easier like it seems to be easier for 
the hosts and the people who are the board members and the people who were in the room, but the people who were not in the room, it was not hard. It was very hard for that to happen. So maybe we can look at implementing something like that in the future. We'll we'll take that under advisement, but I don't think there's anything we can do at this point in time. We have other people that you just heard there were concerned that we're all we're only taking points of uh, order or requests for information, and we're limiting the amount of time that we actually have to debate. So, okay, thank you. Let's. I think we're done with that point of order discussion. So, thank you, Janine. All right, next next person. Let's try to get focused back on the resolution at hand, which Judy? is insulin. <laughs> Judy, Dan, I may have misunderstood, but on Thursday we did not count these uh, points of order and stuff as part of the 20 minutes. And I don't know why we decided to do that today. That is different from what we did Thursday. My second oh, point no, is if you, no, if just we in so fact, extend Ma'am, let me debate, answer that question first. My understanding is it's another 20 minutes and not just limited to the remaining people you've chosen to speak for and against. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, we, uh, you're right. At first we were doing, well, first of all, we're getting better, right? So we're learning. So to start with, we weren't, we weren't asking for points of order on Zoom and we very clearly, or points of, inf- you know, requests for information or parliamentary procedure requests. Okay. And I heard from Gene Mann and other of my friends very clearly that we needed to make sure that our folks on Zoom had an opportunity to provide those points of information. And so um, I conferred with our parliamentarian and uh, and we understood, as we traditionally always have, the 20-minute debate period includes all discussion, whether it be people speaking for or against a motion or for points of order or points oh, of so we tried to be consistent, and that's what we, we did for um, the, at least the last, uh, I would say, seven or eight resolutions we did in the hall on Thursday. So, um, you know, we, we can extend it. That's why I asked the question just to extend it for the two people as opposed to an entire another 20-minute debate segment. And I posed the question, and the membership voted to just hear from the last two. Okay. Uh, next question. I'm I'll worried that we're not talking about insulin here. So, Regina Marie. Go ahead, Regina Marie. I just wanted to maybe suggest that I know it's cumbersome to keep repeating, you know, do not touch your device, but it might slow things down. I think people probably come in and out pretty fluidly from these things, and maybe they haven't heard the prior instruction. I want to think that people don't want to keep extending our time, but just reminding people, if you don't follow instructions, it does extend our time unnecessarily, and maybe just reminding people of that every time we vote and say, okay, no more points of order at this time till the next resolution. Just a suggestion. Thank you. All right. Do we have any more points of order or requests for information related to Resolution 25 on the cost of insulin? This is Michael Ham from St. Louis, and I do apologize for bringing this up, um, but I was concerned that I don't know the true uh, port of order on things, but uh, there was a friendly amendment with, with our vote 
shouldn't that be when you recap voting before we all voted, shouldn't that have been included in the reading of what we were voting for, the friendly amendment? Am I correct on that or does that not have to be? I don't think, uh, Jeff, I'll go to you, but I don't think we typically read the entire resolution again when somebody has a friendly amendment. We just replace the one word or two no, words. No, I mean, not the, other one. Not, the, no, not the whole resolution, just the, the, the amendment with, with a friendly, like you would say, with a friendly amendment saying what the amendment is uh, before you vote. For the whole uh, resolution, you don't repeat the resolution, just uh, the amendment. I think it's probably advisable to do so. I'm not sure that there is anything that is violated by neglecting to do it. And I think it's pretty clear to the membership what we were doing. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to bring that up to the fore. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Gabe Lopez Cafati. So uh, this may be included in the friendly amendment. I don't know yet, but I was just thinking, uh, my question is, would it be, would it serve this resolution uh, a good purpose to, to request that this, this topic be included as one of our um, uh, leadership? Um, oh my God, the, the word skipped my mind. <laughs> as one of our uh, Capitol Hill Oh, you're, you're talking about a legislative uh, imperative. <laughs> yeah. As an imperative. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, okay. so if I could answer that, uh, yes. Gabriel, um, this, uh, this resolution deals with uh, bills for this year. And so oh. although we may want to make it an imperative, if it doesn't pass, we are, of course, hoping that it passes this year. Got it. Got it. Thank you. All right. Um, uh Parliament, uh, Madam Parliamentarian, how much time do we have left for this particular? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Okay. And at this point in time, we have not heard the, um, the we have not heard the proposed amendment, hopefully a friendly amendment. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop uh, any more discussion on points of order or request for information and ask Veronica to uh, please state her um, friendly amendment. I believe it was Veronica that Tom had asked us to recognize to speak on behalf of Diabetics in Action. Um, the reason for proposing this friendly am amendment is that new information has come to light, namely a new bill has been introduced. So we felt that it was necessary to update our amendment so that it's accurate and current. So in order to do this, I'm proposing adding two short whereas clauses and then changing the name of the bill under the be it resolved clause. So your last thing said that S3700 did not pass, and then I am proposing inserting the following. Okay, whereas, hang on, hang on, Veronica, okay. before you read it. Yep. These whereas clauses, just so folks know, would go at the end, uh, right before the first resolve clause. Yes, so all the other whereas clauses remain the same, because they are all still very correct. So the proposal is to add, whereas a new bipartisan bill 
which is similar to H.R. 6833, known as the Improving Needed Safeguards for Need... I'm sorry, let me try that again. Improving Needed Safeguards for Users of Life-Saving Insulin Now, or Insulin Act, is being introduced in the Senate by Diabetes Caucus co-chairs Susan Collins, Republican, Maine, and Jean Shaheen, Democrat, New Hampshire. And whereas the Collins-Shaheen bill, the Insulin Act, has already been endorsed by 13 diabetes advocacy organizations, including JDRF and ADA, And then I go into, now, therefore, it be resolved by the American Council of the Blind in convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization strongly urges the U.S. Senate to pass the Collins-Shaheen Bill, Insulin Act, and, and then it's the same, be it further resolved that ACB encourages its affiliates and members to contact their senators to advocate for the passage of this bill. So just for clarification, the only change she's making in the resolved clause is deleting the S-700 reference. S-3700. Sorry. uh, And inserting the um, the Collins-Shaheen bill. Right. It's the Colin Shaheen, and it's called Insulin Act. Insulin spells out improving needed safeguards for users of life-saving insulin. So the insulin is the acronym. And that is, in, in my view, a friendly amendment. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And we have a copy of the amendment, so we will not have any issue with placing it in the resolution. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, so, Denise, how much time do we have left? At this point in time, you have three minutes. Okay. So I guess at this point in time, uh, we're not going to get very far with debating in three minutes. So um, do I uh, hear a motion to extend bait, debate for an additional 20 minutes or, or until we have no one speaking against and two people? Well, I, I say I'll just, we, that's our. The, let me start over. Do I have a motion to extend debate for an additional 20 minutes? Please, everybody, do I hear a motion and in a second? Yes, Becky. I would like to make the motion that we extend this debate because 15 minutes of all of this um, point of order question, none of it was related to the actual uh, resolution. And therefore, I don't think um, this resolution should be punished by the uh, question and answers that didn't relate to it. So I move that we extend it. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Do I have a second? I second Greg Wansnyder. All right, Greg Wansnyder seconds. All right, at this who wish to extend debate on resolution 25 for 20 additional minutes per our standing rules, signify by saying aye or raising your hand. All who are against extending debate and want to move forward with the vote, please raise your hand now. If you are against extending debate for an additional 20 minutes, please raise your hand now. All right. What's our vote, Nancy? In favor of extending debate, 104 against 51. All right. We will go ahead and extend debate. All right, please raise your hand if you would like to speak for or against this resolution, Resolution 25 on the cost of insulin. First person is Andy Arvidson. 
Hello, Andy. Would you like to speak for or against this resolution? For. For. Thank you, Andy. So we have our first person for. Renee. Oops. Selickson. Renee Renee Selickson. I'd like to speak for, and I would like to make an additional friendly um, amendment if possible. Okay. Go. All right, Renee, you're second in line on the four. Okay. Do we have anyone else? Fran Sign. I'm speaking for. Okay. Fran's four. That's three fours. Keep going. Who's after Fran? Joe Sorensen. Good morning. I was uh, I was going to speak for, but I guess it's, since you have those three, then I guess I won't be speaking. Nope. You, you, you can be four, Joe. We may not get to you by our rules. If we have two fours and no against, then we'll be done with debate. So, but you can be four. Oh, so oh sure. We can take up to five on each side. So go oh, ahead, Joe. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 great. Thank you, Joe. Peggy Ann Clark. Hello, Peggy. Hi. Um, I'm four. All right, Peggy is four. At this point in time, I'm, I don't know how we can we do this, Nancy, where we only want to hear pe- from people who are against the resolution. So we have five people to speak for. Would anyone who would like to speak against this resolution uh, on the cost of insulin, please raise your hand. No hands raised. Okay, we will hear from our first person to speak um, for it. Which is oh no, Andy Arvidsson. Andy, thank you, Andy. Go ahead, Andy. Thanks, Dan. Um, I, I've been my wife and I have been calling all over trying to figure out insulin in the last few days, and I can drive uh, to Surrey, BC, and buy it for thirty-five dollars a bottle of Canadian, which is about twenty-six ninety-seven U.S. for a bottle. And if I go here to Anacortes, where I live, it's over three hundred. Um, so I, I think there's something wrong with our system in pricing of uh, insulin supplies for diabetics. And, and being so most diabetics are seniors and have fixed incomes, it's phenomenally uh, absorbent priced that we shouldn't, and we shouldn't have to pay that much. Anyway, thanks. Thank you, Andy. And now, <laughs> Renee, you're next. And, Renee, you, I think, also wanted to... Um, besides speaking for, wanted to introduce a potential friendly amendment. Yes, uh, thank you very much. Uh, the friendly uh, amendment, and yes, I am for the um, for this because of the price and because of the difficulty people have in getting it. The friendly amendment that I would like to put, and I try to get this as a companion to this resolution during the committee. And I have a resolution prepared uh, to do next year because I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it included, but I have an issue with the cost of the needles. Uh, it's good enough. That's great that they that the uh, House or Senator is um, is uh, getting the price lowered. But the insulin is one thing, even if it's free. How are the people supposed to get it into their body, either with syringes or a pen needle? Both, most of which Medicare does not cover. So I have. I would like to. Um, uh, put a friendly amendment that this cost of insulin also introduced to the house the cost of the needles and the number of needles that are needed by people with people who are reusing needles and going without insulin 
and the reusing of needles is causing them to have a hepatitis C and they're going without it, be, uh, uh, the insulin, because they only have so many needles to go around during the day. And rather than get hepatitis C, they're, they're not taking their, their, their insulin. And that's a huge concern to me. And so I would like to, to get a friendly amendment in. I, I didn't write it right now, but I would be willing to write it. Thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you. Well, hold on, Renee. So I want to recognize Jeff Tom. So related to a friendly amendment, it feels like we need, we'd need some language here, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, so I uh, really appreciate uh, what you said, Renee. It's a very important issue. And, you know, hopefully we can bring this back next year. But since, number one, we, we need to have explicit language, but but even, you know, more importantly than that, or at least as importantly, um, the bill is close to passage right now. And I think if we introduced this issue into the mix, it complicates the advocacy effort. So um, unless... Uh, ACBDA is of a different mind. I would not rule this as a friendly amendment. Okay. So, Renee, uh, the resolution committee is not accepting it as a friendly amendment. Uh, you have the alternative to make it an unfriendly amendment, but I do understand what Jeff is saying. You're, you're what, within six months of the end of this session of Congress, and you're so close to the, to the finish line here. So I'm not going to make an unfriendly amendment. I'm certainly on I just wanted to bring it to the to the attention of the whole body of of the concern. I do have a resolution that will be introduced next year. I proudly serve on the committee and I stand by what the committee has um, has has stated. The only reason I bring it up now is because the insulin has been passed. The cost, uh, since it's going to be passed in the House, I thought maybe we could sneak it in, you know. But if we can't, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it unless uh, somebody else has something to say. So, But I will vote for this resolution. Okay. Thank you, Renee. All right. At this point in time, we had two fours. We have no one wishing to speak against the resolution per our procedure that was adopted on Thursday with Two people speaking on one side and no people speaking in opposition at this point in time uh, per our uh, adopted procedure. Uh, discussion is ended and it's time to call the question. All right. All those in favor of resolution 25 on the cost of insulin, please raise your hand to vote yes. All right. Thank you. All those wishing to vote against Resolution 25 for the cost of insulin, please raise your hand now. If you would like to vote against Resolution 25, please raise your hand. What are the final results on Resolution 25, Nancy? Those in favor, 171. Those against, 6. All right. Hearing a 171 for and 6 against, the resolution passes. Also, hearing that only six people rose in opposition, there's no way we could meet the threshold of 25 standing for a record vote. So, therefore, Resolution 25 passes. Now, I'll ask Jeff Tom to introduce Resolution 26. All right. So, resolutions, Resolution 2022-26 concerns dates 
for presentations of live audio described performances. Resolution 2022-26. Dates for live theater presentation of audio described performances. Submitted by Susan Masrui. Whereas live audio description is essential for people who are blind or have low vision to comprehend settings, actions, and other visual elements of theater performances, and whereas theaters providing live audio description often limit these performances to one or a few specified dates, and whereas discounted tickets are frequently offered on dates that do not include live audio description, And whereas people who are blind or have low vision, like all theatergoers, have work, family, and civic obligations that make attending performances on a specified date difficult or impossible. And whereas the Americans with Disabilities Act requires owners, operators, or lessees of public accommodations ensures that no individual with a disability is excluded, denied services, segregated, or otherwise treated differently because of the absence of auxiliary aids and services, unless doing so would result in an undue burden. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention Assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization encourages all live theater providers to enable theater goers who are blind or have low vision to receive live audio description for all live performances except when an undue burden can be demonstrated. And the committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. Thank you, Jeff. So we have recommend a recommendation for a due pass for Resolution 26 on making audio description available at all, um, all I'll call it sessions or shows of a live performing performance. All right, those wishing to seek a point of order, a request for information or parliamentary procedure request, please raise your hand now. First request is Jennifer Bowling. Go ahead, Jennifer. You're recognized. Thank you. Is this just covering people who are blind and visually impaired or are we also, or does it, and would it need to be rewritten to cover those who, um, have hearing and cochlear implants as well. All right. So, Jeff, uh, the point of uh, request for information, does it cover just folks that are blind and low vision or also those that are deafblind? I, I didn't see anything that specific. So, but. so this would apply to um, just the way it is written. This would apply to those performances that are audio described. Now, um, some theaters I know provide uh, enhanced um, communication with respect to the volume uh, for audio description, and that would help some people who are deafblind and not others. So, um, but with respect to this specific wording it just applies to audio description thank you our next uh question that yes, would be joe Sorensen. yes Go this ahead, is joe this, this is joe Sorensen here the part that i kind of question that at the end of it where it says undue burden uh the I'm actually for the resolution, but that part kind of troubles me. Why? Why would have that? Add now lower. 
So I'm happy to explain that, Joe. Um, many small theaters, you know, either because they uh, can't find enough describers or they don't have the funding from the show companies or whatever to provide more than, uh, you know, a limited number of performances would have problems in providing large numbers of performances. And we did want to acknowledge that it's a problem, but we certainly want to promote the, these theaters to do as much as they can. Thank you, Joe. Our next question. Jean Mann. Go ahead, Jean. Hi. If I understand this resolution correctly, it means that we would like theaters to have somebody there doing audio description, whether there's a blind person in the audience or not. Correct? That would be correct. Although what they could do um, conceivably is... Uh, say that they could conceivably have a provision that says we'll provide it on any day upon request or something like that. There are various ways they could approach doing it. But the resolution basically says that that it needs to be, it, it doesn't say anything about them providing it upon request. It basically says they have to make it available every night. <laughs> no. It, it says we encourage them to do it as often as possible. So it's not a, a, any kind of a, a mandate on them. Well, I mean, not a mandate, but I didn't, I didn't understand it as, as, as much as possible. I understood it as it had to be available every show. Yeah, uh, I, there was a similar, um, you know, Arena Stage did this in Washington, D.C., and um uh, for for a whole run of I think Fiddler on the Roof and you just if the um, the person who's doing the audio description they they arrive but if there's nobody there requesting their services then they then they go you know then they go so ahead and excuse if, themselves yeah if if you give me a second sorry Dan if you yeah. give me a second I I have the resolution and I just need to go over to it and I can read the resolve if that would okay make people feel yeah so but I'm I did I did notice that it was uh, it was encouraged it was not yes you know, demand yes. yeah so I'll just give me one second if you want to take the next person maybe I can okay get the we'll, resolve done. we'll get the resolve clause for for Jean okay what's our next question Linda Faust. Yes, go ahead, Linda. I heard somebody talk about it, including the deafblind. And so I'm also adding to that. Um, I know there's different degrees of deafness and different ways of accessing, accessing, uh, you know, the audio description for deafblind. But I went to it in the convention. But, but I went Linda, to Linda. Linda, at this point, we're just asking for a question. So do you have a question, a request for information related oh, to yes. this resolution? Oh, yes. All right, then fine. I hope yes. they include the deaf blind. Okay, okay, thank you. Regina Marie. Go ahead, I have Regina Marie. I, I have what I, thank you. I have what I hope is a friendly amendment. I do work in the theater doing direction and um, writing grants for a nonprofit theater company. And um, in fact, we do performances for low vision and blind people actors specifically and this would well i'll wait but i have a friendly amendment okay i don't think we're at the time where we're taking friendly amendments 
yet, Regina, but stay there and we'll we'll get you in in just a minute. Okay, Mr. Chair, the um, the resolution does say encourages uh, theaters to provide uh, audio description for all live performance performances, except when doing so would be an undue burden. So okay. the that that gives them a pretty broad um, scope uh, to deny, you know, deny carrying out that particular you know request. So okay. who determines when it's an undue burden then? Well, they would be able to, and, and, I, and I suppose if that's part of the ADA language, that's right? part of the ADA. I suppose a blind theater goer could say it's not an undue burden and go to court if they really wanted to. But really, in the in you know at first blush, it would be the theater to make the determination as to how how much they felt they could uh, reasonably provide. Okay, one other quick question. Are these if 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 I'm an audio describer and I show up and I'm not needed, do I still get paid for it? I mean, is it mostly volunteers or do they get paid to do this? It depends on the theater. Some are volunteers and some are paid. Okay. Yep. All right. We'll take one more uh, question and then we'll go to the debate. And I'll recognize uh, Regina for her amendment, uh, proposed friendly amendment. So one more question, Nancy. Diane Scalzi. Hello, Diane. Just a second. What's your request for information? My question is um, specifically, how would... ACB go about doing this, um, encouraging, um, do, do we have like, would we, you know, go through organizations, um, like organizations of live theaters or, you know, I, I don't understand how that would work. Well, I, I can't give you a firm answer, but I can certainly tell you that Joel Snyder and Kim Charlson and Carl Richardson and folks on the ADP project have lots of lists and there's, there's every reason to believe they could quite easily get this information out there to lots and lots of folks throughout the nation. And and we do have a a subcommittee apart uh, as part of the audio description project that, that focuses on performing arts museums and parks. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Joel mm-hmm. does have his hand up. If you want to acknowledge oh. him as a, uh, okay, that's up to you. Go, go ahead. We'll recognize Joel. Mm-hmm. Then we'll move forward with the debate. Thanks, Dan. Uh, I just thought I would provide a bit of clarification with regard to every performance, all performances, whichever the language is in the resolution. Yes, indeed. Uh, If no one is there to appreciate the audio description, sometimes the describer goes ahead with it as a further practice, as further rehearsal. Um, But typically, after a half hour, the describer would leave um, as to pay it. As Jeff says, it's up to the theater. Sometimes a flat fee is is given for the whole rehearsal and performance period. So it's not a matter of deducting for a particular performance. Also, please remember that there are any number of other ways to accomplish this. And that involves incorporating description within a performance, um, the, the production of the play itself, 
um, or uh, developing a script ahead of time. There are a number of ways to provide description at every performance, many of which uh, avoid any kind of uh, particular burden that, that could be justified in a court of law, certainly. The other point is simply, this is about audio description at every performance. It's not about people who are blind. It's not about people who are deafblind. It's not about people who have learning disabilities. Audio description serves all of those people and more. So the point is not the particular audience, uh, but that it's provided and it is principally used by people who are blind or have low vision, but certainly is used by people who are deafblind when a sign interpreter is trained in description and can sign into a person who's deafblind their hands uh, or provide uh, information ahead of time in Braille or with a Braille display. All right. Thank you, Joel. Now I'll hear uh, uh, Regina Marie for her uh, proposed friendly amendment. Because I work in this um this business on the side of trying to fund performances. Um, I, I think I'd like to have just maybe if we could work with for-profit theaters first and devise a resolution that would assist non-profit theaters because they operate very differently. And non-profit theaters usually operate on a very shoestring budget, which I understand you say could, could um, mean that someone could, you know, have to prove that. The problem is proving that is onerous as far as we couldn't, my theater company couldn't afford any kind of legal counsel to do that. We don't have any, we don't have anything like that. And so it could put us out of business um, inadvertently. And so I would just like to say we need to deal with for-profit theaters who might have more funds available differently than we do nonprofit theaters. I think nonprofit theaters could have a different approach. So I so, just like to add for profit into theaters. Just one word. Okay. So one I am not, not going to consider this as a friendly amendment, not because you don't state a good case, but because nonprofit theaters, you know, some of them do have the same ability to provide this and some of them clearly like the one you're connected with do not but um you know clearly it would be an undue burden for them and and people need to understand that so although what you say makes makes sense in many cases i wouldn't consider it a friendly amendment in this case can i can i respond we do offer it and we have found a way to do that but understanding how to do that is so i think that well, this is my personal opinion that that educating nonprofits as to their choices would be much more the point, because when you're living on a shoestring, you don't often have time to research this. I do it because I'm blind and that's I've pushed for that since I've joined the company and they've been very responsive. But I've come up with the strategies. So I think they're very different strategies for profit, for profit and for nonprofit theaters. So I'm not going to disagree with you that it might be an, a, a reasonable amendment and that you can certainly um, propose it. I'm just not going to recognize it as friendly. That's all. But you but no, certainly have the right to make the motion. I won't. I won't. I mean, I won't do an unfriendly amendment, but I just I'll try to be in the queue for being against it. Then thank you. Thank you, Regina. All right. At this point in time, how much time do we have left? Um 
Denise? You have five minutes and 41 seconds. Okay. I think at this point in time, I, I well, let's, uh, let, let's see um, who we have that would like to speak, uh, would like to speak for or against the amendment. Please raise their hand. Okay. First person, Tom Frank. Tom Frank, do you want to speak for or against? Yep. Yes. Four. Four. Okay. Tom Frank would like to speak for. Who's our next hand? Joel Snyder. Joel Snyder. I'd like to speak for the amendment. Okay. Joel would like to speak for. David Kingsbury. David Kingsbury. Uh, against. Okay. David would like to speak against. Key, let's keep going here. Uh, Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Yes, I would like to speak against. Okay, Gabriel would like to speak against. Okay. So we have two Janine. fours. Go ahead. Janine Lee. Janine Lee. Uh, four. Okay, Janine Lee is like to speak four. So that's three fours. Do I have uh, any? Who's Regina, our next person? Regina Marie. Regina Marie. What would you like to speak, Regina? This is a big mystery. I'd like to speak against. You'd like to speak against? Okay. <laughs> All right, please. Uh, who's our next hand? Terry Pacheco. Terry. Dan, all I what I wanted to say is, if I can be of any assistance on this at all, I serve as the president of the Metropolitan Washington Ear that's been doing live audio described performances longer than anyone. So, okay. for a point of information or anything like that, I'd be more than happy to help with this. Okay. Thank you, Terry. All right. Uh, for or against, keep going down our list. The telephone, and um, I would like to speak for. Okay. Ray is four. That's our fourth person, four. Okay. Nancy? Raymond Razor. Raymond Razor from Washington, D.C. Hello, Raymond. Speaking for. Raymond would like to speak for. Okay. We have our five people speaking for. Who, uh, so if you wish to speak for, please lower your hands, except for the five people who've been identified. Do we have anyone else who would like to speak against the amendment? There is Alan. Yeah, just a minute. Gmail.com, Alan. I see it. I was going to do four. Okay, well, then we already are full on fours. So, okay, okay. no problem. Thank How you. About Linda Faust. Linda Faust, do you uh, want to yeah, speak just, for or against? Just, yes, against. Okay, Linda's against. We need one more against. All right, at this point in time, though, before we continue with the debate, we need a motion to extend the debate for 20 more minutes for our standing rules. I motion rules. to extend the debate for 20 more minutes. This is Janine Lee from Florida. Okay, Janine Lee has made a motion. Do I have a second? Ray Campbell seconds. Ray Campbell seconds. Okay. Okay, all those who wish to extend debate for 20 more minutes per our standing rules to discuss Resolution 26, please raise your hands now. To extend debate for 20 minutes, please raise your hand now. All right, all those wishing to vote against extending the debate for 20 more minutes per our standing rules, please raise your hand. For Resolution 26, if you are against extending debate for 20 more minutes, please raise your hand. All right. What are our results? What are our final results? There are 93 individuals in favor 
of extending the debate and 53 against. Okay, so the debate will be extended for 20 more minutes. And we'll hear from our first four person. And Tom Frank. Tom Frank. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Uh, I'm for it because it doesn't say demand. It says encourage. <laughs> so I think it's very easy for any uh, theater to uh, provide audio description if they can, if they can find the audio descriptions. Here in Vermont, we've been doing it for about 20 years with nonprofits. The VCB, we're very small, but we provide the training for the subscribers. And I think this resolution is very good that other states that want to encourage audio description can take this. Well, this is a nationwide uh, effort, and we want our state and our visually impaired individuals to have access to movies, I'm the movies, to, <laughs> to live theater and we can help you do it. So I just think it's a good way to help us advocate on the state and local level, and I'm all for it. Thank you, Tom. Who's our first against? David Kingsbury. Yes. David, uh, go yes. ahead. Uh, I live in the Boston area. Our challenge, though, is that very, very few people, even when there's only a couple of them, only a small handful of people show up. So I'd be pretty uncomfortable advocating that, okay, if you've got 35 shows and you've got to do, uh, or you know, encouraging, demanding, whatever the word is, encouraging them to do live descriptions for, let's say, all 35 of them, and blind people only show up at five of them, I'd be a little scared that there might be some, uh, you know, ultimately some pushback. So, of course, I'm never against more audio description. More is good, but, you know, encouraging when you probably know that even in a place where there's a lot of audio description, um, in the vast majority of the shows, no blind person is going to show up. You know, I feel very uncomfortable advocating for that. Thank you, David. And now we have Joel to speak for. Thanks, Dan. Um, <clears throat> before I make just a couple of brief comments, I'll speak to um, David's uh, excellent point that there aren't many people at performances, uh, people who are blind, and typically theaters and other companies will use that to say, well, why should we offer description? Well, they don't offer description because there aren't many people coming. You know what? There aren't many people coming because they don't offer description. And they don't offer description because there aren't many people coming. When we did the project at Arena Stage, where every performance had description available, they tripled their attendance among people who use audio description. Of course, not many people come if you tell them you can only access the performance the third Thursday night and the fourth Saturday matinee. That does not have people who are blind on a par with sighted people. It treats them differently uh, as second-class citizens. To Marie's, Regina Marie's point, the vast majority of theaters in the United States, according to the National Endowment for the Arts, are nonprofits. If you take nonprofits out of the equation, you basically are shooting yourselves in the foot as far as accessibility to theater, to performance. I can speak directly, uh, having done this work. You know, audio description is 41 years old. I was there at the very beginning 
when we first did this at Arena Stage in Washington, D.C., under the direction of Margaret Fanchel, as Terry mentioned earlier, at the Washington Ear. The model that was set up then was designed to get people to just accept it. And it was volunteer, and it was two performances per six-week run. Well, we've grown a heck of a lot since then, and any number of theaters have found ways to do it so it's not an undue burden, so that they make description available at every performance by having a a describer be essentially a non-union cast member. They're there throughout rehearsals, they develop a script, and they're there at every performance. And of course, if no one is there to hear the, the description, they can go home, unlike a regular cast member. Or they change the script, or there are other ways to make every performance accessible and keep it inexpensive, far less expensive than even some of the processes that are used now uh, that offer only two performances. So I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm passionate about this. I think Blind people have become accustomed to just getting crumbs, to basically not being treated on a par with sighted people. And we're we're too far into this to continue that. We need to encourage, not demand, encourage. And by encouraging, we educate the theater producers in these different ways that have been demonstrated around the country and around the world, different ways to do it in an affordable and high quality manner. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Joel. Who's our next person to speak against? <clears throat> I think there was somebody before Regina and, and Linda. Gabe Lopez Cafati. Gabe, Gabe Lopez Cafati. Thank you, Gabe. Yes. Um, so even though I, I, uh, I am for the spirit of what this resolution is trying to do, I'm against the resolution itself because even if it passes with an ACB, it's it's just the way it's constructed. It's bound to fail within uh, the theaters because uh, it, it we're we're offering we're asking. So okay, so we're being very soft by encouraging them, and we're offering them the out by saying if it poses an undue hardship. So most theaters, especially post COVID or during COVID, are experiencing undue hardship just maintaining their performances with or without audio description, let alone if we add an extra layer. So I think if we draft it differently, it would be, it would have a higher rate of success within theaters. And uh, also, uh, you know, it's, 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 this resolution is, uh, even though it says encourage, it's, it's basically an all or none kind of deal because we're saying, must or are encouraged to offer live it doesn't say pre-recorded it says live audio description in all their performances and then again the undue hardship uh out which which most theaters if not all of them will will use them i get emails and and messages constantly from different theaters that i've been a member in the past including the metropolitan opera in new york saying that they're struggling to maintain operations as it is so um that's why I'm speaking against. Again, I, I love the spirit of the legis- of the resolution, but I would like to see it drafted in a way that it would succeed. Thank you, Gabe. Who's our next four person? Is it Ray or is there somebody before Ray? Janine Lee. Janine Lee. Oh, of course. Hi, Janine Lee. Go ahead, Janine. <laughs> hey, so um okay. So I am totally for um audio description. I, I'm choosing my words very carefully. I agree with 
Gabe, and I agree with Joel, and audio description is my heart. And I live in Orlando, and I'm very lucky to be in this area. I myself have fought tooth and nail. I'm on a board for the Orlando Fringe Festival, which is a theater festival, which is the oldest theater festival of the fringes, and World Fringe Congress is happening, and I was able to talk to so many of the leaders when we had Fringe here in May, and talk to them about audio description and how to get that implemented in their states, in their cities. Um, And here's the thing, Fringe is a different beast in its own, um, since they only have five performances of each um, my wording with this resolution is encouraged. Like, here's the thing. If I want to go see the, the let's say I want to see Rent and it's at my paid theater and they have like six or seven performances requiring them to have an audio describer there or highly strongly encouraging them is really hard. I will say, um, based on my information, what I have since last year, which was the first year for audio description in the Fringe Festival, we we went up 400% this year. We did four times four or five times as many performances as we did that were audio describes that much in people of blind participants, myself included, my president of my state included came to our live performances at the Orlando Fringe. I'm speaking for Fringe. I also go to paid things. So I'm such a proponent for audio description. And I think this resolution is a first step. I, I, I do understand the do hardships. Like if I want to go to a comedy club, that's a live theater and requiring them to have someone, if I call to have someone there to audio describe that or the improv theater, having someone there, that is a do hardship. And we do have smaller theaters. There are smaller nonprofit theaters that is really hard for them. And I understand their do hardship, but I do understand that they're volunteers. There's volunteers who want to do that. We have a two minute limit. So yeah, how much time I I'm going to wrap up. I don't know how much I have left. So I understand there's volunteers who will show up. And if a blind patron doesn't come, then that's great, but it's kind of hard to expect all the theaters to have someone there each time. But then again, if you, if it's available, then if you, if let's say, my president, which is Dan Spoon and his wife, Leslie, want to just decide and decide to go to the theater one night, they can, and it would be audio described. I think there's benefits to both, but I'm for audio description. This this resolution's a little bit confusing, but I, I would say vote for it because we have to make a step somewhere because it, but the wording I agree is a little right. tricky. Thank you. But for thank you, Janine. Thank please you. Please vote for. Thank you. All right, uh, Regina Marie. Thank you, Dan. I am going to reiterate that I completely believe it is possible to have audio description available for all theater performances. Even in small theaters like mine, we have done it. But goodwill is important. And when we put a resolution out like this, we can what will what may happen and what I envision is people will just say or theaters will just say this is an undue hardship. They'll be able to prove it, as Gabriel said, because of COVID and we won't move forward. I think thinking it through and maybe working um, because I think theaters want to do this. They just a lot of times don't understand what it is, understand that it's available. And I know 
people have been working on this for 40 years, so it feels to us like they ought to know. I will tell you, when people come to our performances, they are shocked. Sometimes we do what Joel says. We uh, integrate the audio description in, and sighted people and other people in the audience are very um, surprised as what it is. So I just think that this the way it's written makes it seem as though it has to be done. And, and I, again, all performances, that is what we have finally achieved after many grant writing and different um, uh, ways of working it in. So it, that's not what I'm objecting to. I'm saying that when you give people that out of undue hardship, then they just won't do it. And it'll actually work against our goal. And so I would like to see this rewritten. I would like to um, see if we can get this into a place that maybe would not, would be able to get this done without just giving this out of undue hardship, because that's, that's easy to prove with most theaters at this point post-COVID. Thank you. Thank you, Regina Marie. All right. Our next person to speak for? Ray Campbell. Ray Campbell. Go ahead, Ray. All right. Uh, Thank you. Um, I am absolutely for this resolution. All this stuff about worrying about the undue burden stuff, worrying about the nonprofits, it's a red herring. That says an awful lot of bad stuff about the theater industry if, if someone thinks that they're all just going to say, well, we have undue hardships. Um, I have been very successful both in Illinois and in Florida when requesting audio description for live theater at getting it and, um, uh, you know, for performances that I wanted to attend with family or whatever. Um, I think I think let's let let's pass this resolution, ladies and gentlemen, and let's let the ACB audio description project work through the implementation details. As far as having the undue burden language, that is required by ADA, and so we have to include that. Um, I believe that um, if we pass this resolution, which we should do, let the audio description project put together the plan for all of us, state affiliates, whatever, to go out and educate our live theaters about this and about the benefits of audio description. We, as Joel said, have come to accept crumbs and accept that, oh, they can only offer it certain days. Well, it's time for that to end. We need to be asking the the performances we want to attend with our families, with our friends, that those are audio described. So we all have the same exact experience. I strongly encourage that we pass this resolution and and the audio description project and ACB will figure out a way to implement it. Um, and as for the questions about deafblind and stuff, that needs to be done in a separate resolution, in my opinion. Let's get this thing passed. I know I want to have this as a tool in my pocket to go to a local live theater we have here in Springfield to try to get them to provide description. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ray. And now Linda Faust. Go ahead, Linda. No, uh, the last person that spoke, I, I agree to point. I think that uh, the deaf part of the deaf blindness is being is kind of a stereotypical type thing, as I don't do finger spelling or um, 
sign language. I just needed to hear it louder and the headphones were not um, adequate. And I don't think that has anything to do with getting an SSP or the uh, other previously stated stuff. And I am going to vote for the resolution, but I really would like it to be more inclusive. Thank you, Linda. And I think we had one last person to speak for. Yes, well, I'm for it because a couple of things. One, I do live in D.C. I'm the president of D.C. Council of the Blind, and we have voted to make that one of our uh, core programs to work on audio description, which we're working with Joe. And the thing is, uh, I also produce and host a talk radio show every week called Sight and Vision, Disability, and Senior Talk. And one of our major sponsors is Ford Theaters. So every time, so they give us tickets to the audio descriptions and we give them away at door prices all. But the interesting thing is uh, people that never been to audio description uh, theater performance, when they go to Ford theater and see this, they are so fascinated. Then they go to the other theaters and call them to demand that they uh, have audio description. So that helps in terms of getting the word out. The second thing is me being a black man and and, in the black community, uh, I would say 85 to 90 percent of the black community don't, don't even know about audio description. So as I go and uh, and speak to these different uh, theaters and all them black theaters and all about audio description, it would be a great help. Uh, and speaking to what um, what Gabe said is that uh, the word encouragement now for right now for black theaters is a softer term because in terms of black theaters, they feel like, hey, here again, this is another white, basic white group telling us what to do. But so for for me right now, that word encouragement will be still a demand. So it was going to be really helpful if we pass a resolution like this to be able to take it to the different theaters and show that the American Council of the Blind think that this is important enough to pass it as a resolution. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Reverend Ray. All right. At this point in time, we have heard from all of our folks who were selected to speak. And all those in favor of Resolution 26 of providing or encouraging audio description at all live performances of theaters with no undue burden, please raise your hand. So all those in favor of the resolution, please raise your hand. Against Resolution 26, we're encouraging all uh, performances of live performing arts theaters be audio described. Please raise your hand if you're against Resolution 26. Those in favor of the resolution is 168 against 27. All right. 168 for 27 against. Thank you. Right now, the resolution has passed. A voice vote was not accurate, and you would like to request a record vote, and you voted in the minority. You were one of the 26 people who vote, 27 people that voted against. Please raise your hand now. How many uh, stands? How many people do we have raising their hand and signifying standing for a record vote? Three. We have three. Therefore, we did not reach the threshold of 25, and resolution 26 passes. 
All right, we're down to two resolutions before the uh, thank you res- courtesy thank you resolutions. So we will now hear for on resolution twenty-seven, Jeff. And actually, this is the last policy we, resolution. Well, we've got five. You know, the Yo, oh no, I'm the, sorry, Dan. You yes, uh, yes, forgot about number five. This is the last one where we have a motion from the committee. Let's say That's that. Correct. Right. Yes, number twenty-seven is on housing. Resolution 2022-27, Housing Accessibility, submitted by Sheila Gunn-Cushman and the California Council of the Blind. Whereas housing has become a chronic and systemic national crisis, and whereas this condition acutely affects people who are blind or have low vision, as well as seniors and persons with other disabilities, and whereas this housing shortage is exacerbated for people who are blind or have low vision by various issues, including, but not limited to, an accessibility of platforms, including websites, documents, including program procedures and applications used by local housing authorities and other public or nonprofit housing agencies, as well as private developers and management companies to implement Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development HUD-funded programs, the lack of comprehensive enforceable accessibility standards applicable to at least multifamily dwellings, lack of sufficient housing that meets the accessibility needs of people who are blind or have low vision in areas such as lighting, stair stripping, accessible operating controls, and talking or labeled appliances, and rules imposed by homeless or emergency shelters that result in the exclusion of individuals who are blind or have low vision from the receipt of shelter services and thus impact the broader ability of these persons to receive wraparound services necessary to end the cycle of homelessness. And whereas it is incumbent upon the American Council of the Blind at the local, state, and national levels to take a proactive role in advocacy on housing issues, now therefore be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that the ACD Board of Directors be charged with planning for this organization's housing advocacy and be it further resolved that this organization urge its state and local affiliates to become involved in advocating in the areas of housing. The committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All those who would like to bring up a point of order, a request for information, or a parliamentary procedure request, please raise your hands now. All right. Then at this point in time, we have no hands raised. I'll ask people to raise your hand if you would like to speak for or against this resolution. Uh, Sheila Gunn-Cushman. All right. Uh, Sheila, would you like to speak for? I assume you would since you wrote the resolution. Yes, correct. All right. Uh, Who else would like to speak for or against this resolution? Lino. Lino, would you like to speak for or against? Mr. President, I'm speaking uh, four, please. Thank you. All right. Lionel is speaking four. So we have two fours, Lionel and Sheila. All right. Is there anyone else that would like to speak for or against this resolution? Yes. Campbell and I rise with an amendment, uh, what I think will be friendly, but um, I'd like to propose just a very quick amendment. All right. 
Uh, well, uh, Ray, let's go ahead and hear your amendment. We're getting fours and against, but that, that'll maybe it, it speed would us along a little bit better. What's your friendly no amendment? Pro- no problem, sir. Um, I would just like to insert after uh, Board of Directors in the first resolve clause, I'd like to insert and the Advocacy Steering Committee. So I'd like the uh, Advocacy Steering Committee to be involved in putting the plan together is what I'm asking. I figure you'd probably do that anyway, but I thought it should be documented in the resolution. So, uh, Jeff, uh, that's a friendly amendment. Okay, see that as a friendly amendment. Okay, thank Thank you. you, I'll go, Thank I'll you, go away now. All right. So we have two fours. Who else would like to speak for or against this amendment? Um, this is Jane Perry calling from Falmouth, Cape Cod, your Cape Cod connection. And Mr. President, I rise to speak in favor of the amendment of this resolution. Okay. So Jane would like to speak in favor. Okay. That's three fours so far. Okay. Do we have anyone else who would like to speak for or against this amendment? Not amendment, this, this uh, resolution. Four. Ellen. Okay, Ellen's yeah. four. So that would be four, four, four speaking for the amendment. Okay. Do we have anyone who would like to speak? Okay, not seeing any other hands raised. Okay, we'll take the first two people that wish to speak for the amendment. So the first one was Sheila. I just want to thank the, uh, well, first of all, I want to thank Frank Welty. I don't know if he's even on this Zoom call because he's under the weather, but um, so I hope he gets well quick. And, um, but I, I'd like to first thank the advocacy committee of the San Francisco um, chapter of the California Council of the Blind that put that forward to California. And then the resolutions committee of California and then the resolutions committee of the ACB um, for tailoring it, for tailoring this resolution to the ACB and what's needed here. <clears throat> Excuse me. This has been a very long time coming, and I'm sorry I'm so late. Um, I know that housing has been a crisis for um, for people with extremely low incomes, for people who are blind, for people with low vision, um, for elders, for lots of people. And But I I wanted a resolution that spoke to the needs of the blind and folks with low vision, and here we have it. And so I recommend a do pass. Thank you, Sheila. Who was our second person to speak in favor? I think it was Lionel Morales. Lionel Morales. Yeah. I believe you're correct. Lionel, you now have the floor to speak. Okay. It's Lino, by the way. I'm going to say you guys I'm at sorry, one Lino. point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll try our best. That's it's the Minnesota in me. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Hey. No. Um, I represent pretty much uh, the North Carolina Council of the Blind. We do have a really bad housing crisis in the Charlotte area, which is west of me. Um, I guess one that comes down to the friendly amendment, maybe I'd like to add one, mm-hmm. that if we can have, if people, not as, I shouldn't say if, the people who are eligible, whether they're blind or not, or low vision, if we can have work with local governments, et cetera, et cetera, on getting the, the necessary handouts, information, that sort of thing in an accessible format, Braille being number one priority. That's all I got. Thank you. Okay, hold on. Don't go anywhere. So are you offering a friendly amendment? Yes, sir. And what, what is your yes, friendly sir. amendment? 
that we make the materials for the voucher to, to get the vouchers, rules and regulations. And if somebody can help me who's smarter, more, smarter than me can write that up uh, in an accessible format, primarily Braille and large print. So, Jeff, do we do we so, talk about information in the in the resolution and whether it should be accessible for people? Yes, applying? we do for HUD funded programs, for example. And I think clearly, um, if it's okay with you, uh, Leno, I think we we clearly intend for this resolution that one of its priorities be the accessibility of materials. So, I don't think it needs to be mentioned, but um, but it, you know, so that but but if you really feel that it isn't there we can certainly take it but i think it isn't there already okay if it's there already we'll, we'll i'll take it as it is thank you guys appreciate it thank you all right uh we had no one who rose to speak against the uh resolution per our adopted uh change to the standing rules once we had two people speak before and none identified to speak against, we can go ahead and end debate and call for the question. 27, related to housing for the blind and low vision community, please raise your hand. All those in favor of Resolution 27, please raise your hand. All right. All those wishing to vote against Resolution 27, related to housing for the blind and low vision community, please raise your hand. All those wishing to vote against Resolution 27, please raise your hand. So, <clears throat> Supervisor of Elections, Nancy Marks Becker, how? what are the results of Resolution 27? Those in favor of the resolution are 163. Those against, six. All right, 163 for six against. This resolution has passed. Because we only had six people vote in the minority, we do not have to request a standing rule vote. So resolution 27 has passed. I ask you, uh, Jeff, from the Resolutions Committee to present our last resolution before the courtesy thank you resolutions. Okay. So we are now on resolution 2020, <coughs> excuse me, 2022-5, capitalization of Braille. Resolution 2022-05, capitalization of Braille when referring to the code submitted by ACB students. Whereas the invention of the Braille code has brought truly functional literacy to people who are blind, and whereas since its invention, the Braille code has facilitated access to education, employment, information, and entertainment for millions of people who are blind, and whereas Louis Braille is an example to us all of what can be achieved when we, as people who are blind, solve our own problems, and whereas the Braille Authority of North America, BANA, issued a statement over a decade ago recommending that when referring to the code, the word Braille should not be capitalized, and whereas many other significant inventions named after the inventor continue to be capitalized, including Morse code, the Fahrenheit and Celsius temperature scales, and even the Nemeth Braille code, and whereas capitalizing Braille when referring to the code is an appropriate way to show our appreciation and respect of Louis Braille's priceless contribution to people who are blind throughout the world, now be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this 
day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that the American Council of the Blind immediately begin capitalizing Braille when referring to the code in all internal and external communications and be it further resolved that the American Council of the Blind calls upon the Braille Authority of North America, BANA, to conduct an independent, fair, and transparent referendum of end-users of Braille on the capitalization of Braille. Okay, so the um, committee did not make a recommendation and does not, uh, therefore, have a motion to present. So it will require a motion. I will also add before a motion is um, considered that just by way of background, there was actually a resolution taking a contrary view um, and that resolution was withdrawn. So with that, I'll turn it back to you, Dan, for consideration. Thank you, of Jeff. Thank you. Do I have anyone who would like uh all right. If you would like to make a motion to uh, to um, for resolution zero five to move forward, uh, please uh, raise your hand to make a motion to proceed. Uh, the first person up was either Frank or Vita, but I'm not sure which one it is. Well, we'll try Frank first and keep Vita undone. Maybe she'll be our second or so. Frank, do you have a motion? It's Frank, and it's just me. <laughs> oh, it's just you. Okay. Yes. So, Frank, do you uh, make the motion? I shall move. All right. So, yes. Frank has made a motion. Do we have a second? Thank you, Frank. I have Greg Wansnyder. Greg Wansnyder yes. seconds. All right. And Greg Wansnyder seconds. So, we have a motion, and we have a second to, uh, to approve uh, a resolution 2022-05 on the capitalization of the word Braille uh, when related to code. Order uh, request for information or parliamentary procedure requests. All right. Is there anyone who wishes uh, for to raise their hand for a point of order, uh, information request, or parliamentary procedure request? Denise Colley is the first person. Okay, go ahead, Denise. I just need to know who made the motion, which Frank? What, which Frank? Frank Welty. Frank Welty made the motion, and Greg Wine. Oh, what Wines, Wins, uh, Wins Juan Snyder. Snyder. Juan Snyder. I got the Snyder right now. I'm doing better, Triple G. I'm getting better. Juan Snyder. Thank you. Okay, next is Ellen at the gmail.com. Just a quick question. Why was this one brought up? I mean, I don't see it in it, that it's necessary, but I, that's all I wanted. To, was why was this brought up in the first place? I, th I think that's something that should be addressed during debate by the makers of the resolution. And that's really right. So thank you, Ellen. All right. What's our next? Um, Robert point? Acosta. Oh, Robert, Robert yes. Acosta. Yes, go ahead, Bob. You're yes, I your think this is, I think this is a point of information. Could yes. you read the resolve asking Banner? What do you want Banner to do here? There's the resolve clause in it. Whereas the Braille Authority of North America issued a statement over a decade ago recommending that. that that's the whereas. We, what are the resolve clauses at the bottom, Nancy? Oh, where's my resolve? Um, resolved by the American Council of Blind in convention assembled this blank day of July 2022 at the 
CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that the American Council of the Blind immediately began capitalizing Braille when referring to the code in all internal and external communications and be it further resolved that the American Council of the Blind calls upon the Braille Authority of North America, BANA, to conduct an independent, fair, and transparent referendum on end users of Braille on the capitalizing of Braille. Bob, did that answer thank your you. question? All right. Thank you. All right. Any other requests for information, Nancy? Marlena Vanderwall. All right. Marlena. Uh, my, my question, I have a question and... Um, clarification. So my question is, what exactly is this referendum going to do? And my clarification speaks to, at the beginning of the clauses, um, I did not hear it say, now, now therefore be it resolved by the Michigan, um, sorry, <laughs> by the American Council of the Blind. Um it sounded to me like it just said, therefore, be it resolved. So I just want to make sure that the wording is. I, I think it correct. was missing a therefore, but that can be fixed. Okay. So back to the referendum part. I don't understand what the, what, I don't understand the, the point of it. What is it supposed to do? So I think, and really it would be better, I think, for the um, proponents to answer, but I think. Um, that since Banna had taken somewhat of a position that may have been contrary to this, that it was felt that they needed to have an open sort of forum of some kind to get the views of the broader community. But I, but I guess I'd like to see someone of the proponents sort of speak to this as, if, as to whether that's sort of a fair synopsis. Okay, thank you. Do we have any anyone from the ACB students? We do. We have Greg. Greg, are you part of the group that brought this forward? Yeah. Yes, I am part of ACB students. And uh, Jeff's right. Um, we are um, calling on the Braille Authority of North America to um, do a survey of all end users of Braille um, to uh, get their Im opinion or input on this. Uh, so... Um, on uh, end users of Braille to get their opinion on this. So uh, Jeff is correct in that. So hopefully okay. that answers the question. Thank you. Okay. Next person with their hand up is Herbie Allen. Go ahead, Herbie. So something that struck me when reading the resolve clause, and um, maybe I'm nitpicking, I do not know, but it says that Banna should fairly, you know, relook at the This issue. is a question, right, Herbie? Yes, this is a okay. question. Okay. I guess my question, let's see if I can, I, I apologize, this is out of, not appropriate. My question is, did Banna not look at the issue fairly when they made their original decision a decade ago? That would be my question. And I, well, the, the proponents do not think so. And, and so, you right. know, I, I can't give you an objective answer but all right that would be my only question on that all right thank you thank you herbie carrie pacheco I, I have a question on the second resolve or the last resolve about the referendum I, I, maybe it's just in that term but a referendum is generally something that is voted on by 
members or by voters, registered voters, for instance, in your community. Um, we are not members individually of BANA. That it does, that by using the term referendum, I think we're holding it only to the members of BANA. So, Terry, I would say that referendum does have a sort of a broader usage than specifically voting of the members. And I, you know, if somebody wanted to make an amendment to change the term, I'm not saying that would be inappropriate, but I don't think it is a clearly erroneous usage of the term. Yeah, I just noticed that, for instance, that Greg used survey just now, and uh, that that was my my comment on it. And I will want to speak against the resolution at, at a later time. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Anyone next, else for? Next is Amanda Selm. Go ahead, Amanda. Hi, I I just would like a point of information. I would like to know why this resolution does not come with a recommendation. Because the committee could not form an agreement on a position that it felt should be taken. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Barry. Go ahead, David. Yes, this, this might not be the time to mention it, but I would like to offer uh, an amendment that might or might not be considered friendly. Okay, well, please hold until we get past the last question, David, then we'll let you offer your amendment. And, and, okay. and Dan, okay. by, by way of uh, a point of order, in this case, it would not be the committee that would make that determination mm. since we did not move. You didn't move to passes, So it has to passage. go to the the makers. Yeah. Okay. Or coffee. Mm, coffee. Um, I hope this would be viewed as a friendly amendment. Uh, suggestion to replace the word referendum with survey. Frank, and, you, would you take that as a friendly amendment since you made the motion? I, I would like to hear the, the, the specific sentence to make sure that it still works, but I if if you would please read the sentence, but if I probably would, but can you please read read the sentence just to be sure? In the in the resolve clause, the sentence with the word uh, oh, be it, be it further resolved that the American Council of the Blind calls upon the Braille Authority of North America to conduct an independent, fair, and transparent referendum of end users of Braille on the capitalizing of Braille. So it'd be. I believe the survey would be appropriate in that in that situation. Okay. And, and Greg Von Snyder would second that. Okay, so you all are okay with that as a friendly amendment? Okay. Yes. 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 Thank yes. you. And then, David, you had a friendly amendment to bring as well? Well, I don't know if it's going to be friendly or not friendly, but my, okay. amend, yeah, my proposed amendment would be simply to drop the second resolved. I don't see the relevance of BANA. I mean, um, ACB should declare what ACB wants to do, and, and the ordering also is a little strange we would say yes we're for this what if the uh the um referendum survey or whatever comes back again so i I would simply say the second one really isn't relevant just a single first resolve clause and again i don't know if that's friendly or unfriendly but that's what i'm that would not be friendly okay fair enough (laughs) (laughs) okay all right thank you david at this point in time all right do we have any more folks with uh uh requests for information Zerlene Johnson. I've always 
always, out of respect for Louis Braille, capitalize it. Okay. Okay. Do do you have a point of? Is this a request for information? So we're not we're not debating for or against now. We're just asking for. No, no. I. I. That's all I wanted to say. Is I've always capitalized it. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, uh, Denise. How much time do we have left? You have nine minutes and twenty-five seconds. All right. Let's see if we can get three uh, three people for and against here, real quick. So, for or against the amendment, please raise your hand. Jennifer, Not the amendment, the resolution. I'm sorry, the resolution. Jennifer Bowling. Jennifer, do you wish to speak for or against? For. Jennifer, Jennifer wishes to speak for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Greg Hollins, H-O-L-L-I-N-S. Greg Hollins, you wish to speak for or against? Uh, I'm I'm speaking, Dan, I'm speaking against. You're speaking against. Okay, Greg is against. Okay. Jeannie. Jeannie, is that Jeannie Johnson? Just says Jeannie. Jeannie, okay, we don't know. But Jeannie, do you wish to speak for or against? Against. Okay, Jeannie Um, would like to speak against. Okay, that's two against. All right. Uh, who's our next person? Sheila Young. Sheila Young, would you like to speak for or against Sheila? Mm-hmm. All right. I am against. Okay. Sheila's against. So we've got three against. So now we're looking for two other people that would like to speak for the resolution. Okay. The next person on here is Greater LACCB. Do you wish to speak for the resolution? I am so apologize for not uh, forgetting to change my name. This is Steve Bauer, and I rise to speak for the resolution. Thank you, Steve. All right, we need one more for. Frank Welty. Okay. Frank, I assume you wish to speak for since you made the motion. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have our three fours and our three against. Who's our first four? Jennifer Bowling. All right, Jennifer you please please begin to debate. You have up to two minutes. Go ahead, Jennifer. I'm not going to take the whole two minutes. I just wanted to say ever since I have learned Braille, it has always been capitalized in the middle of a sentence, at the end, and at the beginning. And I think if we do not capitalize it, we will not be honoring the newest Braille who made Braille possible for us. Thank you. First person to speak against? Greg Hollins. Greg. All right, Greg. <laughs> yes. Uh, first of all, uh, I'd like to commend the students for re- being assertive and, and, and being a part of our democracy, uh, the uh, democratic process here. But I think what this is, is not a matter of respecting Louis Braille. Anybody, and I'm a Braille user, respects Louis Braille and his name is capitalized where it's appropriate in grammar, but to just start honoring people or things and start capitalizing things. I think we're going to get on a slippery slope and just, just, uh, it will just go down a slippery slope. That It's just not grammar. This is not proper grammar. Grammar. His name is capitalized where it should be, but Braille is not a title or a name. All right. Thank you so much. Who's our next person to speak for? Steve Bauer. Go ahead, Steve. Thank you. 
I don't think anybody in this room is going to deny that we all respect Louis Braille and the amazing contribution he gave to all of us. Uh, and when I first heard this, uh, these arguments, I kind of wondered, you know, what's the big deal? And then I started thinking about it, and as is mentioned in the resolution, lots of other codes, uh, not just languages, but in uh, Braille is a code, not a language, but lots of other codes are capitalized. Morris code is capitalized. The uh, uh, temperatures of Celsius and Fahrenheit are capitalized. We capitalize Nemeth code, and it's not a matter of grammar or whatever. It's just uh, the guy that invented this amazing code. Um, we capitalize his code, and I think we should do the same thing with Braille. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. All right, who's our next person against? Jeannie. Jeannie. Go ahead, Jeannie. Okay, so first of all, I have been using Braille since I was six years old. I love Braille. I use Braille every day. I believe in the basics. I taught Braille for 20-some years. Um, One of my first arguments for against is that for those of us who have been using Braille for more than six years, we've already gone through a lot of change with the UEB. I don't think I found it as difficult as some people, but I I do find that even now, if I'm just writing for myself, you know, I, I tend to go back to the old way, although I can read and write UEB. Of course, if I'm teaching it, then I have to do the UEB, which I understand, and I do that. Um, and I totally respect Louis Braille. If it hadn't been for him, we wouldn't have the system that we do today. But the, in terms of how I feel, the writing that people who can see read is called print, not capitalized. Don't know who came up with it, but maybe I should. And when we use Braille as the name of the code, just like print, I really don't think it's necessary to capitalize it. I don't think Louis really cares, and probably even his family, they probably, you know, who his people who are left probably don't care. I think that we have better things to concern ourselves with than should we capitalize or not capitalize Braille. And one of the things that supposedly UEB was trying to do was um, to limit the amount of space, although sometimes it doesn't do that, I don't think, but always having to capitalize Braille if we're not using it as Louis Braille's name is just adding more space to be taken up as well. So, quite frankly, I really don't think it's necessary, and I am not in favor of it. All right. Thank you, Jeannie. Now we'll hear from Frank. (coughs) Yes, this is Frank Welty, and I am in favor of the resolution for three reasons. One is for the right of the users of Braille to have a say into what Braille is. Second, on the basis of good grammar. And third, on the basis of logic. First, on the, on the question of right, our right to have a say in, what, what in, in our Braille code is that at some point in the fairly recent past, Banner came out with a ruling that Braille would not be capitalized. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I have no idea, and I don't know of anybody who does, except for somebody who was working for Banna at the time, perhaps can explain why that, that ruling came down, but it was imposed upon us. So the first reason for voting for this resolution is so that we actually have a voice and a say in whether or not our code is capitalized or not. Second, in the area of grammar, 
We all know that there are two kinds of nouns in the English language, common nouns and proper nouns. Question, is Braille a common noun or a proper noun? And the answer is, it is obviously a proper noun. So we should capitalize it. Third is on the question of logic. When I hear the arguments for and against the capitalization of the word Braille, frankly, I find that this, the, the, the side of logic is in favor of capitalizing the word Braille. Due to my limit, time limit, I cannot go into all the reasons why I say that, but I will simply ask you, when you consider the arguments that have been made for and against, ask which of these arguments are logical and which ones are not. So I strongly encourage you to remember that Braille is no common code. It is the special proper code for the blind, and the proper response to this resolution is to vote yes. Thank you, Frank. And we have one last person to speak against. Sheila. Sheila Young. Go ahead, Sheila. Thank you, Dan. I am against this resolution. I feel if you want to capitalize Braille in the middle of a sentence, that is your choice. I taught Braille to many children from the age of three until fifth grade. And if they have to go back and relearn what I taught them over 14 years, I think that that is kind of reteaching themselves when they've already had to do the UEB. I do not capitalize Braille, but I think if people wish to, they can do it. A per- make it a, a personal choice. I feel like we do have better things to worry about, and this is not one of them. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. At this point in time, our time has expired for debate. So uh, unless somebody wishes to uh, ask for another 20-minute debate period, I, at this point in time, I would like to call the question. Oh, Dan, go ahead. I, I did yeah. have one pop up. So are we, are we, are we? Yeah, go ahead. If, if see what they would like. Yes. It's Jean Mann. Go ahead, Jean. Okay. I want to call for uh, 20 more minutes of debate. All right. Jean would like to call for 20 more minutes of debate. Do I have a uh, second? Terry Pacheco. Terry, would you, do you, uh, if we can unmute Terry, do you second Jean's uh, motion? Thank you. Yes, I second it because there are issues that have not been touched upon. Yes, there are. Okay. All right. At this point in time, in favor of extending the debate for another 20-minute period, please raise your hand now. If you're for extending the debate for 20 more minutes per our standing rules, please raise your hand. All right. All hands are lowered. All those who would like to end debate, not extend a second period for debate on uh, on resolution 05, please raise your hand if you do not wish to extend debate. All right. Uh, Madam Supervisor of Elections, what is our vote on extending debate? So those who are for extending the debate are 46. Those against is 132. All right. Hearing that the vote was 46 for 132 against, we will not extend debate. I'll ask in favor of resolution 05 to capitalize the B in Louis in Braille and also ask for a survey to be done by uh, Banna. Please raise your hand. So if you're for resolution five, please raise your hand. Hearing that all hands are lowered, all those who would like to vote against Resolution 5 on the capitalization of Braille, 
please raise your hand now. All right. Supervisor of Elections, what is our final total? Total four <clears throat> is 81. Total against 113. Okay. 81 for 113 against. Uh, at this point in time, the resolution has failed. Now, just a record vote for resolution five. Please raise your hand. All right. And what is our total? 26. <laughs> 26 uh, exceeds the threshold of 25, and mm-hmm. therefore, resolution five will require a record vote. That will be voted on on Wednesday, July 13th. All right. So at this point in time, I'll turn it over to our representative from the resolutions committee to read four, um, four, I'll call them, uh, thank you resolutions related to our activities over the last week plus in Omaha. Okay. Courtesy resolutions, I think. Courtesy resolutions. And I I will ultimately, when I have read them all, just so you know, uh, so all of you know how we're going to proceed, I will make a motion to, for passage of these as a block. I can't do it on behalf of the committee because the committee technically was unable to vote on them at the very end. So it will take a second from those one of you out there. All right, well, I'll start, and this will take about five minutes in total for me to read, just so you have an idea. Resolution 2022-28, Hotel Appreciation. Whereas it is appropriate that this conference and convention express its thanks and appreciation for our host hotel and convention premises. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention Assembled this 11th day of July, 2022, at the CHI Health Center, Omaha, in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization communicate its deep gratitude to the management and staff of the CHI Health Center and the Omaha Hilton for their hard work and Midwestern hospitality. Okay, that's the first one. So now we're on resolution 2022-29, host committee. The strength of the American Council of the Blind lies in each of its individual members and in each of its state and special interest affiliates. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in convention assembled this 11th day of July at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization express its heartfelt Congratulations and thanks to this year's convention hosts committee and the women and men of the American Council of the Blind of Nebraska for their enthusiastic welcome, the untold hours of planning and hard work, and the tremendous privilege of bringing our national conference and convention to the Cornhusker State. Okay, we are now on resolution 2022-30, Volunteer Appreciation. Whereas there are few things in this life more precious than a kind word, an open hand, a supportive shoulder, a warm heart, and a willing elbow. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this 11th day of July at the CHI Health Center, Omaha, in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization warmly embrace and most sincerely thank each and every individual volunteer who so selflessly 
and graciously gave of their time and energy to make this first conference and convention back in person since 2019 such a success. And finally, Resolution 2022-31, AV Appreciation. Whereas a hybrid places a hybrid convention places far more pressure on the audiovisual staff than either an in-person or virtual convention. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in convention assembled this 11th day of July at the CHI Convention Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization express its sincere gratitude and extreme appreciation for everyone who put in long hours and assisted to make this first hybrid convention possible, including the convention planning team and the ACB media staff. And with that, I move adoption of these four resolutions. Thank you, Jeff. We have a motion to adopt all four of these courtesy resolutions. Do we have a second? Go ahead, Terry. I will second this, but my hand was raised for a point of information on the uh, record vote. I don't know if you want to take that. Okay, now, well, second it, and then we'll go ahead and take your point of information oh, on okay, the record vote. Yes. Then I did second it, yes. Yes, okay, go ahead, but. What's your point of information on the record vote for the previous resolution? I should know this, and I just don't. I'm not that great a parliamentarian. Mm-hmm. Is, will there be any time for any further discussion before the record vote on 05? No, there will be no okay. formal uh, additional debate. I guess there's always the opportunity to debate these three uh, resolutions that require a record vote on our normal uh, you know, leadership list, conversation lists, presidents lists, all those right. wonderful yeah, lists we have out there. Sure but there'll be no there. formal, no, no additional formal uh, debate. Thank yeah. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. So we have a motion. We have a second approving the four courtesy resolutions. Uh, please raise your hands now. So we have 157. All right. Hearing that we have 157 yeas and we have less than 200 in the Zoom room, I say that the motion has passed and we congratulate the hotel, uh, our volunteers, our host committee and the ACB Nebraska, as well as our ACB media team and our AV team for all their hard work uh, over the last 10 plus days. And I'm with Jeff. Let's give everybody a big hip hip. Hooray. So thank you. All right. At this point in time, we only have two more points to cover, unfinished business and new business. So I'll ask, wish to seek the floor uh, for unfinished business. Greg Wansnyder is the first one. Go ahead, Greg. Um, just a point of clarification on the last resolution, resolution number 30. I just want to make sure that re- includes parents, you know, to all our volunteers who, you know, hopped out because I know my parents and several, you know, other parents weren't signed up as volunteers. But I, I think whether they were officially signed up or not, that's right. We had okay. so many of our members who volunteered yes, countless yes. hours. And we yes. wanted to make sure that we thank all of them. So feel free to take that resolution and give it to your parents, Greg. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, yes. Dan. You're welcome. Okay. Sheila, Sheila Young. 
Go ahead, Sheila. Okay, I'm, I'm sure you're going to cover this, but for all of us to be clear on what the next step is for the recorded vote and for the results of tonight's meetings, can that be explained to us, please? Sure, be happy to. So at this point in time of our um I guess it ended up being 24 resolution is if you consider the courtesy resolutions that were put before the body. There were three that our membership requested a record vote on. I believe they're five, 15 and 16. So those will all be on the ballot on the 13th for individual votes. You will vote, you know, you'll have a box where you check yes or uh, or no i believe isn't that right nancy for for each resolution yes yes or correct uh, yes correct yes <laughs> so that will be how that will be handled um then we have four uh constitution and bylaw amendments uh three constitutional amendments and one bylaw amendment they uh by uh by constitution require a record vote so they will also be on the ballot so when we get to the 13th we're going to have seven uh seven items that will be on the ballot so the part that's going to be a little tricky here for the individual vote is not that bad you just go down and vote yes or no on resolution one two or five 15 and 16 and then you vote yes or no on constitutional amendment one two and three and bylaw amendment number four. So there'll be seven votes on the individual ballot for the roll call vote. We're going to do a roll call vote one time. And so in your case, Sheila, you'll have to poll your affiliate and you'll have to be able to answer how Florida would like to split their 23 votes. Yay or nay on each of these seven resolutions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, so for tonight, we'll we'll reconvene at seven o'clock central, eight o'clock eastern, five o'clock Pacific coast, and we will hear the second reading of our constitution and bylaw amendments. And then we will allow debate on each of these amendments. There could also be amendments to the proposed amendments, in which case if those go to a record vote, that would be held on July 12th. If there were amendments to proposed amendments that required a record vote, that would take place on the 12th. And then if that amendment to the proposed amendment passed, it would be included in the, the final language that would go to the 13th. If it failed, it would not. If there are not amendments to the uh, proposed amendments that require a record vote, then there'll be no voting on the 12th and we'll have the votes on the three um, three resolutions and the four constitution and bylaw amendments, a total of seven on the 13th. And that's at eight Eastern, correct? That's eight Eastern, seven central. So okay. the next two days, uh, once we get past tonight, there'll be no more debate. It'll just be voting. Uh, if we don't, uh, again, if we don't have any amendments to proposed amendments that require record vote, then it'll just be on the 13th, but we won't know that until we get through our four uh, constitution and bylaw amendments uh, this evening. Okay. I think I understand it. Thanks. Okay. Very good. Thanks for the question. Very good. 
Just kind of unfinished business. I wanted to go back to something Carla said the other day. And and I know this was our first time and we're learning, but it's certainly something I hope we keep in mind that we do do resolutions and and constitutional amendments a little different next time um, so that we get it done during the week of conference when everybody's together. Because one of the questions Carla asked the other day was, Will this, these resolutions take place and will it be done at a time when people who are at work will still be, at, you know, will be able to have a vote, which kind of meant like, will we do this in the evening? And we didn't. We did it. in the, And I think we would have had a better turnout if we'd have done it more so in the evening than doing it in the middle of the day, because not everybody's as lucky as I am <laughs> and are retired. So could be here, you know, to do this. Um, you know, because they do have job duties. So I, I would just like for us to keep that in mind when we plan our next conference for next year. And we are, thank you, Alice, a good comments. And I think, I hope we have learned a lot out of our first hybrid uh conference and convention and annual business meeting this year. And, you know, we have extended the resolutions ad hoc task force and the voting ad hoc task force to a 3.0 for one more year, because I think, you know, where we have to continue to have dialogue with our members is to really think through, you know, what, what could we do um, to, you know, as you saw today, to just get through seven resolutions took us four hours, you know, so are there, are there some, and it looks like, at least in my mind, that we're probably not going to have less than 20 resolutions anytime in the future because we've had at least 20 for the past at least three or four years. Um, so we're probably looking, uh, you know, at at least 12 hours with our current, you know, rules just to just to have the debate and vote on resolutions. And so, you know, are there things that we want to look at changing uh, to think? I agree with you. The goal is to to not have to do this during the day. It was um, made, you know, it, it was made necessary because we could we didn't get through the resolutions on Thursday. And so, and the other thing about moving them early, and I know some people asked about that, but what we found, it, it, you know, to get this set up right in the hybrid world, it was pretty difficult to kind of turn all this on and turn it right back on and off again. And we were averaging, you know, uh, 30 to 35 minutes a resolution. So it, you know, I heard people talk about, well, we could do a couple, we could have maybe done one on, on or two on Tuesday or Wednesday. And I kind of personally made that decision because I did feel that we were, in a really good place to make sure our our technical environment could support that going on and going in and out of resolutions and back to our normal programming. And we had communicated to our members over and over again that resolutions would be on Thursday. And if we had overflow, it would be on Monday. And so I didn't I, I felt we could disenfranchise people by changing the times uh, when we had announced resolutions would be because this is our dem- democratic process. And I think just throwing one in there on Tuesday or Wednesday could have caused us more problems than it would have solved. But I understand the concern and I really hope we continue 
to work with the Resolutions 3.0 Task Force and the Voting 3.0 Task Force and really think through how can we get back to a week-long convention? Because this is, for all of us, uh, this was quite an ordeal for, for each and every one of us that's so involved in the American Council of the Blind. So thank you for your question, Alice. Okay. All right. You want to keep going down the line for yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Chuck Jones is next. Go ahead, Chuck. Yes, um, I want to speak to the resolution on the uh, housing. Um, actually, I was put on a waiting list here where I live. Uh, I live in Smyrna, Tennessee. I'm not too far from Nashville. Four and a half years ago, I was placed on a waiting list to receive low income housing for the senior community. And I moved this past May. I'm in a place now where I can afford to pay all my expenses. And, of course, I'm uh, qualified for the COVID-19 rent relief. So I don't have to pay rent in this particular area for four months still. Mm -hmm. And that's all I wanted to say about that. But uh, are they going to do the hybrid conventions every year? That's, I just want to see if that's a point of clarification. Sure. Uh, well, I think that's the plan going forward, just so everybody could kind of get the numbers and understand. It was close to a 60-40 split of the number of people that participated virtually versus the number of people that participated in person. So we had over 200 more people participate virtually than we did in person. So I think what we've learned over and over again is that for so many of our members, including the virtual component has just allowed us to include so many more people in our, in our processes and in our convention. So I, I can't speak for the board and our members, but I would say at least from my standpoint, I feel like, you know, we're going to be continuing to operate in the hybrid environment for, for the, at least the foreseeable future. And one final question. Um, yes. The individual vote for all the remaining resolutions and the Constitution and bylaws are Wednesday night, correct? That is correct. And if we have an amendment to a Constitution and bylaw proposed amendment, we may have a vote uh, t- tomorrow. We'll, we'll know that at, at the end of tonight's session. All right. Okay, but, thanks. But all, but all of them will be voted on in their final form on Wednesday the 13th. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for your questions. All right. Next is Carla Rushville. Hello, Carla. Mm, hello, um, Mr. Chair. I have three points. Um, two are two of which are sort of related. Uh, one, I know that after the convention, there will be a survey, uh, yes. a convention survey to fill out. I would submit that there are a number of things that will not be adequately surveyed by a survey. Um, I'd like to just suggest that the resolutions committee has open meetings and an opportunity for people to participate in that discussion. Constitution bylaws has open meetings with people uh, having the opportunity to participate in that discussion. And I think that uh, there should be a similar opportunity relating to the convention um, that would allow people to have input 
into the ideas and discuss some of the ideas related to scheduling and things like that uh, in an open discussion and not just in a survey with a few options and maybe a short line for text. That's one point. I think um, that's very, I, you know, I, I will reach out to our different committees, but I think that's a, a really good suggestion, Carla, and we can have, we can have uh, obviously, all three of these topics can come up at our special interest affiliate circle, at our president's meeting, as well as uh, community calls that could be hosted by the different committees. So, right. Yeah, and, well, and task forces. Yeah. In, so. in, in relation to having it come up, say, at a president's meeting, hmm. the president's meeting almost never has more than uh, it, it's a good turnout if there's 20 of the 67, 68 presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the uh, special interest circle does have pretty good percentage, mm-hmm. but that doesn't include the state presidents. And, yeah. and uh, I think that uh, limiting that discussion to a few individuals rather than to um, members who are out there who may have some real good uh, thoughts mm-hmm. that uh, just I as a president or another president may not have thought of or whatever would be a good exercise and would not be too much out of our day. I'm not trying to complicate Janet. Oh, no, I, I, I think I it's a really good idea. I, I don't see any reason yeah. why we can't have some community yeah. calls and different discussions. I yeah. you know, tr- truly yeah. do agree to that. And and yeah. we brought up the length of the um, of the convention. We, we discussed it at both the committee chairs meeting and the president's meeting here as part of the convention. But now we have even more information, we right? Because we've lived through it. <laughs> yes, you just right. are kidding. Okay. Yes, now, okay. I do have another question, and it relates to the Constitution and bylaws process that we're mm-hmm. going to follow tonight, mm-hmm. uh, etc. I'm wondering when it was made part of the Constitution that um, that that roll call vote Am I understanding you right that a roll call vote is required uh, on the amendments, the Constitution and Bylaws amendments? If I understand, uh, and Jeff's part of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, he might be able to answer this. But I believe um, last year, maybe it might have already been there, Jeff, but I think um, uh, I believe part of the language that got put in was that that would require a, a record vote. For okay. any changes to the if, Constitution if, and bylaws, I, I will have Jeff confirm that because, okay. because yeah, that is also there, correct. Because yeah. I think so we wanted to make sure year? that the vote would be, you know, totally fair. And okay. fair as I, as I don't can. think that requires necessarily an amendment can happen by a voice vote, but a okay. but the true <laughs> approval of the change to the Constitution and bylaw amendment requires a record vote. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Because I had. Uh, I guess forgotten about last year's amendments. So I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I have one more point, but uh, since I can't remember, oh, I know what it is. It relates to the the scheduling for the resolutions, as I bet you thought it would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not. I do not think that the. I disagree with the opinion that not moving those resolutions up last week when we had. A lot of extra time created when we didn't need it for voting on directors and members of the BOP. Uh, 
I, I don't I don't think moving that up would have disenfranchised people any more than holding this session today for four hours on Monday afternoon has disenfranchised people possibly. So I think, you know, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm, I'm just saying that I think we need to look at how we can turn the process so that we can consider, I think in a year's time with what we've learned Thursday and today, that I would just bet we can come up with a way that we can move resolutions up, one or two resolutions, as has been our practice in the past, when we're all sitting in that meeting room, uh, figure out a way to make that happen here on Zoom and in the meeting room. Had we been able to do that, I haven't really done a complete, um, you know, a complete work of the time that would have been available, an estimate of the number of of resolutions that could have been moved up. But I would submit to you that um, if we had been able to consider even one resolution a day, this session today, while it might have been needed, would have been reduced to two hours rather than in excess of four. So I think we need to really look at the logistics of how we can make that happen. Right. And, uh, uh, I, I, I understand that. And, and, yeah, that, and I, you, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carla. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, I, I do think, I, you know, before we started doing this, I thought um, back in the days, way before now, when we were talking about everybody, you know, doing this remote voting. And I've sat out there a lot, many times, and Jeff knows this, and I thought to myself, there's no way this is going to work. And I think it has worked for the most part. I think there are some things that need to be worked out on those points of order. Uh, they can come up during debate. And I would submit to you that I could go back and find um, debate in, in past, in past um, conventions where the point of order has not counted on the time. But those are things that we can discuss and resolve. Um, I just I just think that we've got to be more flexible without diminishing the um, the the presentations that are available in our um, in our programming during the week and uh, possibly without watching so many videos that that would be pretty good. So thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Carla. Appreciate your comments. All right. Next is Howard Goldstein. Go ahead, Howard. Yes, uh, one final question about the record vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there some place where we can see the text of the resolutions and the uh, changes that we're voting for before we do the vote? Uh, for example, I can't remember now what resolutions 15 and 16 were about. <laughs> Right. Um, well, uh, Jeff, I'll send, I know the resolutions chair did send them out, each resolution out to both the, um, the leadership and conversation list, as well as they were made into a podcast. Um, I'm, I'm Howard, I'm only worrying about just our ACB media team and, it, and how quickly we could, uh, 
we could um, get well, things um, ready to go. But yeah, so there's three. Uh, obviously, we have a file that's also a podcast for all our constitution and bylaw amendments. Um, but, um, you know, we'll we'll try our best to get that out there it, 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 as many places as we can for people to uh, to um, to view it. So I think we could get it out to the president's list. They could send it out to their lists. Um, uh, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, did, yeah, well, we'll. I think at least. Well, obviously, on the ballot, you'll see the changes in the resolved clauses. But of course, you know, people I know want to see it sooner than that, so they can inform their delegates um, for purpose of delegate votes. So, um, you know, yeah, I think I don't all think I can there do were is any get the changes yeah. out to the chair and see <laughs> what we can do about getting the resolutions out with amendments sooner than that. The, the other ones were sent out on the lists, I believe. Yeah. We sent um, all of the resolutions yeah, out. Yeah. I, I don't think there were any, I don't believe there were any changes to 15 and 16. Five just had the change to replace referendum with survey. That's right. That's the yeah. only one that had I think that's the only change. one that had a change. Um, but uh you know, perhaps, uh, Jeff, you could reach out to Gabe and see if we could get those uh, published. Yeah. Well, if the uh, uh, text, uh, the resolved clauses and the sum- and a summary of the uh, the changes and the uh, Constitution changes will actually be on the ballot. I was afraid it was just going to be, you know, vote yes or no on resolution five no, or something. The resolved no, clause okay. will then, actually then I'm appear. I'm good with that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Who's our next person? Fran Sign. Fran. Hello, yeah. Fran. Hi. I'm just clarifying. Um there was said that we were voting today, but I don't know what we're voting on. Well we were going to have to vote today if we had any um, well, originally, if we had any amendments uh, that required a record vote for our resolutions, but we had no amendments that required a record vote. So there's no official vote now or roll call vote today. Yes. We will have voice votes in debate uh, on um, not any any um, discussion and then any amendments to the proposed amendments. So there may be some voice votes that take place like we did today with a hand raised. If, if there's an amendment to be considered, that, that would be tonight. That would be tonight. Yes. And so if there are, if start, there are none, then it would be the, the, the final votes would be on the 13th. Yes. So from now to eight o'clock, we can relax. Yes. Depending on how long we do unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> I move we adjourn. Thanks, Rand. <laughs> Do we have anyone else <clears throat> seeking the floor, Nancy? Yes, Mr. President, Mitch Pomerantz. Yes, Mitch. I would like to um, double down on Mr. Goldstein's comments. Uh, I am now, uh, I will be now the voting delegate for ACB Lions. I don't know about the rest of you, but Friday was a long time ago. And uh, I think it is essential uh, for all of us who are voting on behalf of our affiliates uh, 
to provide to our members the texts of the three resolutions in question. So I would urge the uh, resolutions committee, uh, the media folks, whomever would be involved in this process to resend just those three resolutions so that we can then make sure that our members are uh, understand what they're voting for. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I think what I'll do there as well, Mitch, is we'll, we'll ask uh, Kelly Gask, our communication specialist, once we get through tonight, we'll try to get whatever resolutions are going to be voted on on the 13th. We know those three, 5, 15, and 16, plus our um, Constitution and bylaw amendments. Uh, if they, you know, at that point in time, we'll try to get those out, at least sent out to constant contact to everybody that's a member. So that's another way we can make sure and get the word out. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's going to be any uh, major problem. I've already sent Gabe, if he hasn't even done it himself somewhere or other, um, I've already sent Gabe the text, the change text of uh, 05. So that's in his possession. So I don't think we're going to have any difficulty in making all that happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll work at getting it done tomorrow. All right. Melissa. Go ahead, Melissa. Hello. Um, I was just wondering, will the hotels and people who are being thanked in the courtesy resolutions see a copy of the resolutions that are passed in some form, be it like a thank you card or plaque or something so that, you know, just that they, you know, other than just formally us passing it, if they can have some sort of physical thanks. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll send probably a, uh, you know, really Good looking uh, email to each of them, uh, official letter from ACB. Yeah. Just an email, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I don't, you know, you know it, to send something in paper to groups of people is hard, but yeah. Yeah. Well, in, I mean, even just world. the hotel, you know, that hosted or, you know, something like that, you know, something hmm. a little more. I don't know. I just wondered. Okay. I thought it would be a good idea, maybe in the All future. Right. We'll look into that. Okay. Carla Hayes. First of all, um, I'm still not at all clear about um, to, um, are all of these amendments and, and resolutions going to be on a single ballot, or are we going to get seven? Are we going to get seven different ballots that we do? We're, we're, you're going to get you're going to get one ballot with seven different contests that you have to vote yes or no on. Oh, okay. And then yeah. Um, yeah. think of it like when you're getting a ballot for, um, you know, amendments or propositions uh, in your state government when you're doing state elections. So you'll get you'll get the text of each of the resolutions and the Constitution and bylaw amendments and then an opportunity to vote either yes or no. Okay, And then the other thing, are, are we going to I'm not. I don't think I'm a member of Constant Contact. Um, are we going to use the same link as to, today for tonight, and if not, and for tomorrow and the next night? Um, but I'm also a delegate, so I'll have to go in the green room instead. But if I'm not going into the green room, are we going to be sent another? <coughs> excuse me, another link for tonight, or well, is it, it will be the same. it will be the same link uh, for tonight? And then you're right. There will be a separate link if you're a delegate or an alternate delegate for an affiliate. 
Okay, and I and did so, receive that, yeah. but I didn't receive mm-hmm. today's link for whatever reason. I couldn't find it unless my spam filter got rid of it or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I would encourage you to call on um, one of our offices, and we can see if we have an old email address of yours, because okay. that might be what's happening. Okay. All right. And then uh, the third, th- <laughs> the third thing I am really concerned concerned about hand. <clears throat> hand raising in zoom because um sometimes i know i've noticed when i've been in webinars thankfully it didn't happen today but i will you know i'll let whoever it is lower my hand but then it pops up without me touching anything and i don't know if there's something technically that can be done or if there's something that we should know about setting our settings in the computer i'll i'll leave that to deb or rick i don't yeah, there's really not anything. Um, that's why we wait a while after the hands are raising and lowering so that we can um, see what is actually going on. And that's why we don't just jump on that is so that we can give Zoom time to sort of settle the numbers. And it's just what it is. I mean, Zoom has some more sophisticated ways of voting, but they're not entirely accessible for everyone. So we haven't been able to use them. Okay, and I and I just and I and I, I like to echo the fact that we need focus groups, you know, about the convention and and have them available prime time and also you know different times of the day for those that work, so that we can all weigh in. And I just want to say one more thing. I want to thank you, Dan. I just want to say you have done a stellar job of moderating this whole thing. And I would just like to personally thank the AV team, and I'd like to thank everybody that put this together. I think for the our first hybrid convention, we did have our hiccups and problems, but I think you all need to be commended for doing a wonderful job. So thank you again. Thank you, Carla. Greg Wansnyder. Yeah. Okay. Um, just, just one thing um, is I've talked to some of the exhibitors and I know our contracts are set for the next couple of conventions, but I've talked to some of exhibitors who couldn't be on today who are very concerned that um, the ACB and NFB conventions overlap in timing. And I just feel like that needs to be addressed at some point um, for our vendors and for other other consumers. Obviously, we don't want to dissuade other people from from you know going to the the other consumer group. Um, so just um, just something to think about. So thank you. Thank you, Greg. Richard. Uh, this Richard Via, with regard to scheduling, um, I was surprised that we didn't schedule the continuation of the discussion of these resolutions and constitutional amendments on Saturday, because that's the way it used to happen. I knew that most t- most people were traveling on Friday, and maybe Saturday would have been a good time to that people that uh, have to work could have still uh, participated in the discussions on Zoom. Yeah, thank you. It was mainly just trying to get everybody back home, you know. Uh, that was that was the thing. So and not have a, a fourth day in there. So that's that's what I was concerned about. Yep. Because we used to go on to Saturday in the past. Yep. Very good. Well thank you, Richard. Anne or Michael Byington. 
<clears throat> it's Michael Byington. Mm-hmm. And Dan, I have uh, said to you a couple of times during the live part of the convention that I think for someone who, by comparison to some of us, is fairly new to ACB, you have done a wonderful job of understanding the reasoning behind the ultra focus on democracy that ACB has. And I would say again publicly that you did probably the best job of any president we have ever had in absolutely trying to follow every provision that we have set forth in our overly effusive constitution and operating procedures, etc. So you have my great comp- compliment for all of that. However, as uh, an old geezer in ACB, I I wanted to uh, sort of recall a couple of things. I've attended 36 of the last 37 ACB conventions. And I chaired resolutions chair, uh, I mean, the resolutions committee. I do have COVID brain today for uh, seven years. That was following six years where I was tutored in that process by the most uh, capable Paul Edwards, who not only read resolutions beautifully, but also had a way of just moving parliamentary procedure along and yet making people feel like he was attempting to observe the democratic process. I want to say that as much as I am an ACBer because I believe in democracy, and as much as I am an ACBer because uh, my parents were, were charter members and it's just part of my blood, uh, there are times when things are done to move democracy along. And the thing we have to concentrate on is still figuring out how to do those things, even though we're in this electronic format that force everyone to slow down. I wanted to tell you that one year that I served on the resolutions committee with Paul Edwards chairing, because doing a resolutions with Paul was a very popular thing to do in those days. He had 50 resolutions that all came to the floor and they all got done during the standard convention time. One year as chair, having been tutored in this process, I had 46 resolutions, and we actually ended the convention an hour earlier than planned. And we had other very full program uh, activities with lots of Constitution amendments, etc. those years. I think what needs to be looked at is not only a way to schedule us more uh, capably, and we, as Carla said, always did plug resolutions and constitutional readings and things like that in wherever we could in gaps in the programming. But also, in addition to to doing that, we somehow managed to short-circuit some of the arduous time that the democratic process takes. And yes, There were times after conventions that I and many other people who are in the old geezer club with me 
were so angry at Derwood McDaniel, we were calling him Ken Jernigan in sheep's clothing. <laughs> because we didn't feel that he always managed to uphold the democratic principles in wh of which he espoused when he got angry about something on the convention floor. I remember one convention, and pardon my old memory for not remembering what year, when he got up in the middle of uh, debates on resolutions with still a lot of business on the agenda and said, I move we adjourn. It was ruled uh, properly as a motion that was in order, and the convention just shut down. <laughs> Things like that has happened in ACB, and they were a lot less democratic than anything you did, sir. You did a wonderful job. What we need to do now is try to couple your extreme, and I compliment it, emphasis on democratic detail with the electronic encumbrances and still be able to do 50 resolutions a year if we get that many. And I think it's possible to do, but the new challenge is simply to blend a lot of the knowledges of the past that we have in, in the ways to put that together. And no, I don't have specific proposals at this point, but I am offering to serve on any of the planning task forces and so on, which uh, might come forth if uh, that that are working on the problem. I, in the last few years, have sort of restricted myself to dealing with spatial interest affiliate and my state affiliate needs and have not taken any national appointments. But uh, and I want to thank you very much. Thanks so much. And, we, and we'll have to figure it. We've, we've got a lot of, lot of discussing to do here over the next six months. Yeah. <clears throat> thank you, Michael. All right. How are we doing here, Nancy? Do we have a, a 72 hands still we've raised? We've got or? lots of hands. We've got about Is 12. 12. 12. 12. Okay. Is Anisio. Hi, Dan. Uh, Hello. I, I promise I'll be very short. Uh, or you will be here until 8 o'clock. My question is, and I don't know what the constraints are, I really congratulate ACB on the electronic um, voting system that you have adopted and how well it works. And so a while ago when I was voting on the Braille resolution, uh, I actually was one of the 26 that voted to have the, the, the vote counted again, even though it was, it, it was pretty clear that the resolution lost. And, and my only argument was that by going to the electronic voting system, we will be getting a much wider representation of ACB members, because a lot of more people will vote. And I'm wondering if we could extend that to, uh, to make it more uh, the, the, the regular case rather than that one which is requ requested. And is that a, a, a cost-effective uh, uh, is that a cost? I'm sure there must be a cost involved in this in, in going electronic. But if it is not, if it is possible, my recommendation would be that we 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 take advantage of that. We we get more greater participation, and we get rid of this you know frustrating thing for Nancy and Denise. I'm sure about raising hands, lowering hands, and doing all that, uh, which I appreciate from a democratic point of view. But if there's other ways of doing it, then I would go all for it. 
Sure. And one of the things that I saw Lori Scharf uh, proposed out on leadership is uh, what a lot of associations are doing. Again, it's still part of the democratic process, but you have a lot of the conversation prior to the convention and then you you put the resolutions out there. You might debate them, but you don't vote on them. Right. You you put them out there, let people debate, but then vote them up or down. That makes sense. Uh, and then you could have them all on one ballot and you could have one vote and you could be you wouldn't have you know to, to vote on each individual one. So that's that's an interesting thought. I don't know, but I, I saw that proposed by Lori and I think that had some merit to at least be considered. Yeah. I agree. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you. I want to thank everybody, um, obviously officers, staff, everyone who made this wonderful convention possible for the lucky people who got to go to Omaha and the equally lucky people who got to zoom in, without which many of us could not have participated. And Pat, two things, I'd like to see two things attempted, somewhat per what Carla said, but I'm putting a little more emphasis on it, that in the survey that there actually be more blank space for people to suggest ideas, and secondly, that actually written comments be solicited per the Convention Planning Committee mid-year also, maybe if people have expertise in issues of health care and COVID and that sort of thing, that people might be able to actually speak to someone on that planning committee. And again, I cannot thank everybody enough. If you zoomed in, I know people on the ECB conversation list are tired, tired of me saying, find a way of donating. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Hey, Donna Sanchez. Yes, I have looked high and low for my voting code. Who can I call to get it? I, the only one that I have is for last year. Yeah, Donna, you need to reach out to the Minneapolis office. That number, are you ready to take the number down? Yes. Okay, it's 612-332-3242. Again, 612-332-3242. So can I call now? Perhaps, Nancy, you guys are still there, aren't you? Yep. We are still here, mm-hmm. but I, oh. there's only two of us in the office and I'm on Zoom right now. So if you could wait till we get done with this meeting, that would be great. Okay, fine. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Terry Pacheco. Hi. Um, I think the convention overall went very well. Um, I think that there are a a number of issues that I think will come up in the survey. But I think also, Dan, uh, back might have been Carla's statements when we talked about community calls about Mm -hmm. the convention. I just wanted to point out that this Thursday night on Table Talk Thursday, CCLBI is doing um, an open forum on the hybrid and how it worked as far as audio video is concerned and that kind of thing, anything else. So anyone is welcome to that. And a week from Friday, there will be one on visibilities as well. So there are two community calls already scheduled. I'm sure Cindy will probably put a few more up, but uh, I know at least those two are scheduled for anyone that would like to join in on those. Thank you, Terry. Okay. Next is Penny, Penny Moss. I um, I was the convention planning chair for BITS 
and I'm also uh, president of my local chapter. And I have t- several concerns, but I won't go through all of them. But one of the ones is I, I think the length of time for the convention concerns me. I had a really hard time getting all of my chapter interested in participating in all the link, all the times that we had and how it was stretched out and there was a number of people that the biggest feedback I've heard uh, through this last week and a half has been the length of the convention and the difficulty people had hearing when the convention was on ACB media or in the Zoom room, hearing the room itself and I know when I was facilitating one of our presentations the host actually muted the room during the presentation and people could not ask questions from the room and I got feedback from the monitor that people were frustrated because they weren't able to ask the question and they left I felt I felt terrible I don't know what all the answers are but it seems like to me that there's still some glitches going on with the media and with the Zoom, with the actual hotel room and the, um, you know, doing it with Zoom. It seems like to me Zoom did pretty well, but I don't know if ACB needs to invest in a sound system that can be used. I'm not sure what the answer is. The other thing that I am cons- feel like is... I think we had too many resolutions. I mean, it just seems to me like 28 resolutions is really quite obsessive. And it seems like to me, if we could limit the number of resolutions per convention, and I know there's special interest affiliates and people want to get their fingers in the pie, but I think if we you know, when you sit all day Thursday trying to listen and digest them all, and then all day today, you know, personally, you know, my brain is really fried. And I just think we need to rethink some of that. And there were afternoons that we didn't have anything going on except community calls. I mean, we had some sessions, but it just seems like to me we could do some restructuring so that we could get our business done. And those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Okay, John McCann. Yes, I'll make this very, very brief. As chair of the Constitution Bylaws Committee, I'm more than willing to make our committee report available to anyone who wishes to email me requesting it. My email address is john, J-O-H-N, at jam site, my initials, Juliet Alpha Mike, S-I-T-E, not website, jamsite.net. Again, john at jamsite.net. Send me a request for the report. It will immediately come back to you. Thank you. Thank you, John. And you'll be, uh, we'll, you'll be on the hot seat tonight. So we look forward to talking to you at 7 o'clock Central. Yeah, I, I will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> Thanks, John. Okay, Robert Acosta. I'm going to try to be brief because what can one say after these wonderful words? Remember when it all started, the board voted 
and there was passion on the board. They didn't just say, oh, yeah, let's do it. Never mind COVID. It's fun. It'll be good. They, they, I remember it, how the board, how the board struggled. We had 90 days to get Zoom ready. Yes. And I was critical. I didn't like it that I only heard half the banquet, but I got Judy human and I, I knew her and it was some tremendous. So remember, it's a learning situation. I spoke to a couple of my, yes, I have NFB friends. We talked to each other and I was going to sort of say, well, you know, and they said, are you kidding? ACB produces a better and more transparent convention than we do. You know, and, and they didn't, they didn't have to, I didn't put a gun to their head and I sat back and said, you know, they're right. And of course I, I say great praise to Dan very democratic his effort to be democratic sometimes frustrated me it's oh my gosh we all know what's going to be but he stuck to his guns and he he went through the democratic process and the media team poor larry got a lot of my calls larry i can't hear it larry i can't do this i know we're working on it we'll get it right zoom is here to stay it's an opportunity for those of us with immune deficiencies, with health issues, or getting older. At least I am a year or two, and it, it, it is it is a, a time to to really understand what ACB is about. It's a veritable rock of democracy. I don't care how we do it. It's slow. Oh my gosh, I get upset. But you know, we get a chance to say our piece. Thank you to everybody. My battery is charged. I'm off out to get blind guys to help them. Thanks to the American <laughs> Council of the Blind. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Hey, I'm Coffee. Yes. Uh, Bob just took half of the, my spiel right out of my mouth. So um, congrats to all of those who just worked so hard to even make this convention happen. And all I would add is, if you remember all the way back to last Monday, I know that's been an eternity ago. If we had been trying to do resolutions on last Monday, when there were audio glitches, we only heard a little bit of the the guy from uh, Worldwide Union, because he was on Zoom and there was a glitch somewhere in the system. And if we had been trying to do resolutions at that time with uh, the person presenting the resolutions on Zoom, we would not have been able to hear it. So I am perfectly okay with the fact that we had to do resolutions today. At least we were able to hear them. It, yes, it made things longer, but we were able to vote. And and uh, I think we all, since this is a learning process still, we all need to be patient. And that's never been one of my biggest virtues, but boy, I am trying <laughs> to be patient. So um, thanks for all of the hard work, all of the planning, all of the whatever went into it. I was not there in person, but I was on Zoom all day long, and anyone who says there was nothing happening in the afternoon, oh, my goodness. I was on Zoom literally all day long, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and not to mention Thursday, except for a little bit of a break after the main session. Uh, so, yeah, there was stuff happening all afternoon. 
if you just wanted to be involved with it. So thanks for the hard work. I'm looking forward to next year, whether I'm there virtually or in person. Um, I'll, I'll be looking forward to next year. Thanks for the for all all that goes in on on behalf of all my other friends in ACB and those of you who are dealing with illness post convention. I hope you get to feeling better real soon. Thanks. Thank you, Pam. You're welcome, Lori Sharp. Thank you. Um, I just was curious, well, to echo everybody else's positive thoughts, everybody did a great job. Uh, to echo everybody's positive thoughts, um, thank you for all the hard work of ACB Media. And also, I was wondering why we did not mention in our resolutions that participants uh, were also virtual. You mean the 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 congratulations or the courtesy no, resolutions? At no, the no, end, I'm or? sorry. Where it says adopted on this day, yada 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 at CHI. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, I, that's a good question. I, I don't um, know if Jeff's it, still know, here. I mean, it, yeah, obviously people are participating virtually, but I guess that's kind of the right. But I'm just, the focal point we, of the we meeting. can we can you know and I'm a, the chair and Dan can make a decision as to how to draft those final four resolutions. I don't, I don't I, think. Yeah. I didn't mean sense. specifically those four. I just, you mean just all of them. Did we say it, assembled at C- right, and virtually health and virtually on yeah, the Well, that's platform. something we can think about for next year, yeah. Lori. I mean, yeah, you know, no, that's, yeah. that was just my thought. That's all. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's very good. Thank you, everybody though. Thank you, Lori. Okay. Janine Lee. Hey. <laughs> Um, so I have a couple things. First of all, great job to the convention committee and all the people behind the scenes who made all the great presentations and the panelists and the hosts and the, just everybody involved. Um, and I commend Dan for keeping his cool, for keeping the meeting running and the dem- democratic process. Um, my two things are, um, I'm new to ACB. I'm not an old timer. It was really great hearing the guy who's been to, uh, all but one of the conventions. So two very important things. So the first, cause I know this is unfinished business. I'm not sure if this is new business or unofficial. So let, let me do my important thing first. And then the one that's not so important next. So, um, we, I would like to know why at the beginning of our convention or why with our official board meeting things, we don't play our official song because there's a lot of people don't, that don't know we have an official song, not the walk songs that are produced every year, but I know we have an official song, whereas the aforementioned other group has a very catchy song and it's their hold music so why don't we promote our official song because that might attract more members and make it more fun so i would like to know can we please adopt that and and do that when we start the convention because i've heard sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't and again i'm new um and i've only been around for a few years. So I'd like some clarification and then moving forward, if we could please, please adopt our official song. So all the members know we have it. 
And I do have it in writing that we can use it. I got permission. Okay. Is this the song that was written by uh, 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 Dave Trevino and and Brenda Brenda Dillon? Dillon. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Dan Dillon has her her rights, um, and he gave permission to use it. I can reach out to Dave as well. But, yeah, so why don't we use – isn't that our official song? You know, I don't know. Jenny, I, I have to tell you, it hasn't been played at any conventions that I've attended since 2009, but that doesn't mean, you know, as Michael said, that was, you know, shoot, that's not even a, a third of the way through his 37 uh, conventions or Carlos 44 <laughs> conventions. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not sure if we've ever introduced our convention with the the song, but that's mm-hmm. you know something we can we can look into. I would like to motion that we do that. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can get a second, but I would like our presence to be known as well and have a catchy song for us. Maybe we need to write a new one. I don't know. I I did play it at the Florida convention at my table, but anyway. Um. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was my motion proposal whatever i I just wanted clarification but i'm glad you know about the song because Mm -hmm. a lot of people do not know of its existence so if we could moving forward can can we introduce that dan as you as a president can we do that or well i'll i will uh uh, i will at least mention it to our convention steering committee and get their thoughts yeah. Okay. And okay. then the second thing in our thank yous, I don't know if we do this, but for at least the whole tell staff, like resolutions, because um, I know, you know, we'll be sending nice emails, but to our whole tell staff, can we send them like a popcorn basket or a basket of like signature cards, some things from our mini ball to say thank you, like send them some water bottles or something to say thank you and our gratification in our in our deep gratification for your your gratitude you know whatever kindness we could send a thank you that way with some of our products to the hotel to distribute to some of the staff that were so kind to us couldn't we do that or do we do that um well i i think we do send thank yous and and it kind of goes back and forth we send things to them they send things to us so okay <laughs> yeah so again i'll bring that up to uh to the convention steering committee okay, okay. thank you so much and thanks thank again you, for a great convention thanks, all right Dan. thanks for participating hey miss anna and <clears throat> i'd like very much to thank you for a wonderful convention i participated virtually and it was so exciting to be able to be a part of things and to vote and just really felt, I really felt a part of it, even though I was in the Zoom room and, and, and listened some on ACB radio. But what I wanted to ask you all, and this may be a dumb question and please forgive if it is, but for voting on the resolutions <clears throat> and the amendments, um, will we use the, you said something about sending a ballot. Will we use a vote now or will we use email or a combination of both or what? Well, for your individual vote, you will be using vote now. Okay. Yes. And you'll have your code and enter it just like you did for the candidate selection. Um, and there'll be seven, seven votes on that. There'll be three resolutions and four constitution and bylaw amendments. So there'll be a total of seven things you'll have to vote for all on one ballot. Okay. Okay. Yep. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Sure. 
Next is Roberta M. Hi, this is Roberta McCall from Michigan. Um, Hi, Roberta. Hi, Dan. You have to be the most debonair high class person in the world. You just, I, it was so impressive. <laughs> just, I'm sure you were as frustrated as anyone else, but you, it never showed. And I really appreciate that. You just kept a calm, focused, composed attitude, and that that was just wonderful. Two other things I would just like to. Oh, and I have to give a shout out. Thank you so much for all your participation sure. in the auction. Oh, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so you deserve a hip hip hooray from all of us. Um, uh. Also, um, regarding resolutions, I know several people on some of the lists have said people should attend the resolutions committee meetings to know what's going on. And I did attend several. Um, It's not a way I would find very useful to understand what's going on. It helped me understand the process, but I didn't, when I called in, I did not know what resolutions might be on the agenda to be discussed. And really it was more wordsmithing rather than, um, I mean, there was discussion about the whys and wherefores, but, I think I would love to see after the resolutions have been roughly, I guess, uh, rough draft completed to have some kind of a open meeting just to discuss the content. Excuse me, not the content, not the wordsmithing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my third thing is um, uh, it's a pet peeve. I really feel like I am not virtual when I'm online. I'm still a real person. And I'm still participating in a real way. And I really prefer the term online or via Zoom as opposed to virtual. That's hmm. just, that's just my two cents worth. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you. Wordsmithing. Yes. yes. Thank you. And thank thanks you, for Roberta. letting us all talk. Sure. Oh, you're welcome. Nikki Colby. Hi. Um, what I wanted to bring up is a concern that I noticed that and I'm not saying that we never had this issue when everyone was in person. Certainly a lot of the same people would get up on various resolution on some of the resolutions, but it seemed like in person we had a larger variety or a more diverse group able to speak. Whereas sometimes on zoom, I noticed, and I don't know um, how, if, if people were selected by, order they raise their hands or whatever but i i i am really concerned that we had sometimes the same people speaking in almost almost the same order and i know and i don't mean that as a criticism because nancy and dan you guys have been working your butts off on this and you've done a great job but it is a concern that i have um when you when we would be everyone in the same room, you could tell that someone else who hadn't spoken was trying to get the the chair's attention. Whereas it's kind of hard to tell that with everybody raising their hands. I don't know what the answer is, but I also felt that we didn't have, used to have nearly as many uh, points of order and points of clarification and all of those things. So I just think maybe it would help if we had a little bit, almost a training in the beginning so that people, and I am glad to see so many new people. 
um, really thrilled to see so many new people. But um, when I started out in ACB, I learned from the people I was sitting right next to. And if you're on Zoom, you don't have that opportunity. So I think it would help those on Zoom to have that, have, you know, a little bit of explain, explanation and of how how we're doing things. And that would be my suggestion, just because I know there were a few times that I wanted to speak, but people who had spoken on what seemed like almost every other re- resolution still got to speak, and I hadn't raised my hand for anything. Um and, you know, didn't have a chance to speak. But again, I would like to say that you guys did an awesome job. I was in person for most of convention. Um, but, um, I, uh, and I, and I, for those that might be concerned, I think you all did a wonderful job and thanks for some awesome memories. So. Those were just my two thoughts, and I look forward to the focus groups and things like that. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. And and just so you know, I mean, Nancy and I and Deb, we, we, we just called the first hands that got raised. So you're right. There's people who are quick to the trigger, which get back, get, you know, maybe called on more. But we, we took them in the order they, they were raised. Um, and your second point, I think, is very valid that, and I've seen this post out on leadership and conversation and president's list that, you know, there's an opportunity here for us to do some education and training for our newer members. Yeah. So first time our members have voted on resolutions in three years, and many of them were not a part of ACB three years ago. So, yeah, point well taken, Nikki. Thank you. Okay. This is Lyle Sign from Philadelphia. Hey, Lyle, how are I, you? I, I'm fine, but I take a issue with the treasurer's report saying it was clean. I have a problem with information that is not updated in on in and on the website. Uh, there is issues with a couple forms that other or other state affiliates are having, and and when I look at the 990 form or ACB is 2019. It is now 2022. That should not be in be outdated like that. Also, the hold on. Let me let me stop the, you there, Lyle. Just real quick. So, you're saying that the 990 we have posted on our website is from 2019. That is correct. Okay, so there's definitely an uh, we 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 do them each year. So yes, we can I, um, we will we can make a note of that and make sure that gets updated. And yes, the, and, and the annual report for 2021 is not there. Okay. So if, if you're asking people for money, you need to have those pieces of paper because, mm. like most people, we want to know where the money goes. At least sure. I okay. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm done. I just wanted a clarification on that. I'm sure Nancy's taking notes right now on those two items. Yep. I, I am. Thank you. Did you have any uh, other things to share? No, that's it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. We appreciate it. Next is Lionel Morales. Hey, everybody. Um, I'll be brief. Um, I know in the weeks and days to come, Ace, this is directed mainly to, towards ACB Media. Um, when you guys upload to the podcast feeds, the respective feeds, 
uh, could you really please, 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 and I speak on behalf of everybody, insert the video slash audio of Mr. Bob Seminera's speech, which is rather lengthy, and I'm not going to discuss any further, which is already echoed about the audio technical issues. Uh, we've already been there, done that. Same again with uh, Mr. Mark of uh, the WBU. Mark uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, insert that audio, video, whatever you got. It takes when those recordings are uploaded in the pod- respective podcast feeds. That's all I've got. I yield my time. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. The next. Dixon. Hello. So for me, for this time, for this season, we have the best president ever who instilled lots of kindness and tons of patience. And ever and whenever I need help, bam, there's Dan. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Danette. I'm still <laughs> laughing about the multicultural affairs luncheon. <laughs> and I did send you an email this morning. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Next okay. is Dora. Michelle Martinez. Good afternoon to all. Good afternoon, President Dan Spoon. My name is Dora Martinez, and I'm from Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. I had a pleasure of um, attending the convention in Omaha. First time ACB member. I'm a newly ACB member, um, and we're go- I'm going to be a, a direct or. Um, Trudy is going to, um, we're going to talk about me being aboard and trying to start a chapter here in Reno, Nevada, Northern mm. Reno, Nevada. Okay. Um, Great. And I just want to say thank you so much. You are so patient. And uh, Nancy is, is awesome. And Jeanette Dickelman, you guys are the best. And it was my first time, like I said, and I'm learning. So thank you very much. And to, um, this week, we're doing the interim committee for our state, and I'm trying to uh, have our bill draft request for accessible museums. So, and, and I'm going to be calling on Clark or whoever for the access, um, um, advocacy group to help me when I go present in front of the legislature to make it a law in our state. Well, thank you. And thank you for coming. I hope you, it sounds like you enjoyed your first convention. That's great. I did. I got a lot of souvenirs at the mini mall. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. Have a great right. day. All right. Bye-bye. Donna Siren. Hi. Um, I just wanted to make a few comments. First, I want to say I'm really glad that we are you know, doing this virtually because I'm usually at conventions, but I was not able to make it this year. But one thing I want to comment on um several days ago we got an email from one of our members who put the resolutions out on the missouri chat list which is really helpful Mm -hmm. and we got to read them in advance but not all members got it and i think in the future it would be really helpful if this was done on a national level and all members were sent a copy of the resolutions and we could be more prepared than we were this year very good okay thank you marlena vanderwall i just want to say thank you to everyone who put together this convention who did everything on the technical side the officer's patience, Mr. President, you just, I'm, I'm so impressed with how you've handled everything. And even though I wasn't able to be there in person this year, I was able to participate at home. And I just want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you. Stay involved. You're doing great, Mar- Marlena. Thank you. It'll be Ellen at gmail.com. 
first of all, kudos to everybody. And I'm just, I'm basically, you know, all the teams involved. Um, <laughs> we weren't able to come either because we just didn't have the money. But uh, putting that aside, you know, we, um, we, we thank everybody and also, but I do have one request. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's if it's possible or not, but there were times when I wanted to get um, a message to the AV team uh, about something, and I couldn't do it because I know that there's a chat feature on the, here on Zoom, and I was just wondering if that could be accessed for anybody that needed to make a call, you know let somebody know that you okay you can't hear something or whatever that way the av team can get on it right away and fix the problem well thank you ellen i i think we've disabled the the chat feature of our zooms because we were getting a lot of zoom bombing and that type of stuff happening and it would going was going out over the air yeah i just i I was just having a problem with that because and you know so that because it's like, okay. But you bring up a good point. Is there some mechanism where if you needed to communicate that we could have a, a hotline or a number or something that you could I, leave a leave a message and, and we could monitor it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, because every, every time, you know, you need to, you know, you need to get a message. Like I noticed, okay, during the, during some of the, some of the hybrid part of it, I noticed that. The lighting up on your on stage was very dark, and I wanted to get a message out to to you know to get it fixed for them to fix it, but I couldn't do it. Mm. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed the convention. Yeah, and hopefully we'll make it next year. I don't know that for sure. It may not be because we're because due to housing. Uh, we may have to move, and if that happens, there goes our money mm. again. So mm. we'll see how it goes. All right, thank you. Thanks for being here. All right, bye bye. Yeah, my name is Lindsay Lavere. Hello, Hello everyone. Hello. I would just like to thank everyone involved who put on a great convention this year, and also I would like to thank. Melena Vanderwall, our assistant secretary for the Michigan Council of the Blind who put up the three resolutions that we'll be voting on on Wednesday on the various um, email lists. I said, last but not least, it's Debbie Hazelton. All right, let's see if we can get okay. Debbie. She's muted right now. It's been a great convention, and um, I needed to kind of back away for a while, but it's been so good to be to be back and be around. And wow, absolutely, I agree with everything everybody's been saying about you, Dan and Nancy and all the work of ACB media and audio visual. Oh my God. I do have one itsy suggestion in addition to all the others. And I'd be happy to be a part of a focus group, Dan, if Mm -hmm. you ever want. Um, So there were some deafblind people who called in or raised their hands and, um, some people with speech impairments that could not be understood very well. And, um, and you kind of had to move along 
without really getting all of what they were saying. And there was one I heard say, um, well, I don't even know if he heard me. And I felt concerned about that. And I'm wondering if maybe it would be good to have somebody like someone out of member services note who that person is and give them a call to follow, you know, to get what their comment was and make sure that they feel heard, make sure that they feel included. Um, somehow I'd like to see follow up with people where that's, okay. where that's happening. Thank okay. you, Debbie. And I'll tell you, as somebody who was on the stage for most of the week, uh, we've Rick and I have already talked about this oh. team, but <laughs> But we, it was really hard to hear on the stage, you know, because the sound yeah, was going over anyone. the top of yeah. us. It was really, really hard. And so, in fact, Nancy yeah. and Denise and Denise all went down to the first, uh, you know, to the, to the first row of the, the ballroom, uh, to do the roll call vote because they couldn't hear from up on the stage. So that's something yeah. we've got on yeah, our list to improve for next year. Yeah. So. All yeah. right. Well, thank well, you. It's good to hear your voice. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, All right. thank you. All okay, right. Dan, it is now 530 Eastern time. All right. So thanks, everybody. I'll just say uh, real quickly uh, for new business, uh, we have the uh, the next ACB Board of Directors meeting will be a telephonic meeting on August 31st. I believe that's a Wednesday. And then we'll have the fall board meeting on uh, the, I believe it's the 21st and 22nd of October uh, in Schaumburg, Illinois. And uh, it'll be a hybrid event. And then uh, our next BOP meeting, I believe, is Tuesday, August 2nd. So please stay tuned to all those events. Who, Thanks to the hard work of ACB Media, our televised uh our broadcast and at this point in time i will move that we adjourn until seven o'clock central eight o'clock eastern five o'clock pacific tonight thank you